<laughs> What's happening, weirdos? Uh, this is an amazing episode with Lewis Howes, who I did his podcast and had an absolutely delightful time. And I was so happy to, uh, I guess you could call it a pod swap, but I just wanted to keep the conversation going. I'm so glad I did. He's a very, very interesting guy. Um, and uh, just a couple things, a couple things up top. Uh, I am going to be at Largo, if you're hearing this the day it comes out, this Saturday, June 22nd. I will be at Largo with some wonderful guests that you may recognize from this podcast. Taylor Tomlinson is going to be there, one of my favorite episodes, uh, maybe of all time. And I don't want to promote the other one, but let's just say boom, boom, boom. We'll keep it vague. We'll just say boom. <laughs> some of you definitely know what that means. Uh, and my book, Comedy Sex God, is available now. I'm actually super excited. Um, this just came together today. Uh, you guys know that we record this uh, these episodes in my back house here, this, the garage area, and that's where I keep my infrared sauna. So literally the past, I don't know, 12 episodes have started with some comment about the sauna. You guys know that I love my sauna. I use it every single day. And I was mentioning it to Adam Scott, among other people. And the, the president of Clearlight Saunas, they're, they're now owned by Jacuzzi, reached out and was like, hey, if you want to do a Pete's Pick, let's do a Pete's Pick. I was like, if we can get a discount to the weirdos, I know they know I love this, and I'd love to share it with you guys. Uh, so, and it happened. This is it. This is a new Pete's Pick. It's the Clearlight Sauna by Jacuzzi. If you've ever been curious what it is that I'm doing other than recording podcasts, in, in here. Infrared saunas, we've talked about it on the show. They don't get hot like steam rooms or, or like traditional, I don't know what you call that, coal? Not coal, but you know, they got the hot rocks in there. I'm going to have to figure that out if I'm going to talk about this every week. <laughs> the hot rocks on It's not like that. It's infrared waves which heat you up from the inside, similar to the, the way that the sun does, but it's only far middle and near infrared rays, so obviously you don't get a sunburn from it. So you go in there, and it gives you a broad infrared healing wavelength spectrum. Uh, some of the it helps with detoxification, obviously, because you're sweating all these things out. Incredible if you've been going too hard with anything, sugar, uh, fish. You want to sweat out all that mercury or alcohol if you've been going hard at that. Get that out of you. Anything that you want to get out of you, you can sweat it out in the sauna. Helps with stress, helps with fatigue, helps with muscle aches, stiffness, and joint relief. Because it, I find it to be better than a massage because actually warming you up, improving flexibility, helping uh, work out those muscle aches and pains from the inside, which is incredible. And this is, as you know, I've talked about this before, it's incredible for weight loss and calorie burning and cardiovascular health. I have a really hard time motivating myself to say jog or hike, but 30 minutes in an infrared sauna burns 300 to 800 calories while you watch movies. They have built-in Bluetooth in there. So you hook up the speaker. I either listen to audiobooks, so it's really been a, a place of learning for me, or I watch my iPad in the little window there, which is incredible. You're just sitting there, but you can feel your heart pumping. The sweat gets going. 800 calories. And I go in for an hour. So that's 1,600. That's a lot. It's, it's made of amazing materials, probably the nicest piece of furniture I own. So it smells like cedar. It is cedar. It's like having your own personal spa that's open and available 24-7. It literally is the highlight of my day. Helps me sleep. Helps me de-stress. Helps me with aches and pains. And uh, yeah, 
there's all these other things. You guys just Google it, infrared. Here's what you do. Google infrared sauna or Google jacuzzi infrared sauna, and they'll give you $400 to $600 off. That's our biggest discount for a Pete's Pick when you mention this podcast. Just when you order mention the podcast, they'll give you the discount depending on which one you get. I have the Clearlight Premier IS5 because I'm a tall man and I like to lie down in there. Exercise while you lie down. It makes my life better. It's the only cardio that I can do every single day with absolute pleasure. So I'm so thrilled to say that Clearlight Jacuzzi saunas are a new Pete's pick for y'all to get into. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. The other Pete's picks. We know this. Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil. This is another secret weapon in the old stable. Charlotte's Web Hemp Oil is made from the hemp plant, but they use science to remove the THC and they leave the body and brain beneficial CBD. CBD is not like weed. It doesn't get you stoned. It's not an intoxicant. It just gives you a healthy, happy glow. It lowers my shoulders a little bit, helps me smile and laugh a little bit easier just because it helps manage stress so well, helps me sleep better, helps me travel better, and helps me write and work better. It's not, like I said, even though it's made from the hemp plant, it's not an intoxicant. It's something that I can take while I'm writing, while I'm reading, while I'm working. It doesn't take you out of the game. It just helps your brain glow and focus and ease into whatever it is you're doing with a little bit more commitment and less resistance. It's in, uh, There are other CBD oils, but it's made by the Stanley Brothers, and it's the only hemp to my uh, knowledge, that is made from hemp grown for human consumption. So I see CBD places popping up all over the place. It's no surprise because CBD is so wonderful and so beneficial, but the Stanley Brothers are the best hemp products that I've found. They also make, I, I like the original formula. It costs a little bit more, but you can literally just take a couple drops of it when you're feeling stressed or just any time, really. Uh, they also have extra strength. I like the mint chocolate. tastes like a thin mint. And they also have bombs and creams that have hemp in them. So you can get some of that goodness on you topically. Go to cwhemp.com and you, uh, slash weird. Excuse me. Use promo code KEEPITCRISPY19. The other Pete's pick, which I had... Actually, I've had twice today because <laughs> I had it for breakfast. And I had it for dinner as well is Kachava. Kachava! Dude, I just gave some cachava to Science Mike from the Liturgists podcast, uh, who's a friend of mine. He was basically telling me that he doesn't know how to eat well. And he, uh, for such a smart guy, he just didn't know where to start. And I gave him a bag of cachava, and he literally texted me a few days later, and he was like, this is changing my life. This is, he just didn't know what to do. That's what a lot of people feel, is they want to eat well, but they don't know where to start. Cachava is the greatest life hack I've found in this regard. It's plant-based. It's uh, it's a superfood drink mix made from exotic, nutrient-rich superfoods revered by tribal cultures for centuries. It's got omega-3s in there, chia seeds, flax seeds, eight superfruits, 17 greens and veggies. It's gluten-free, soy-free, no artificial sweeteners or preservatives, digestive support built in, adaptogens built right in, 24 grams of plant-based protein per serving, 9 grams of plant-based fiber but here's the deal it actually tastes delicious valerie who does not normally like these types of things 
loves it because there's uh, coconut nectar in it, which is a low glycemic sweetener, and coconut milk in it, powdered. So you can just add water to it, shake it up, and you're good to go. I often make myself one while I'm making Baby Lee a bottle. I make myself a bottle. Or I make it with almond milk, maybe some kale for fresh kale in there. Who cares? Strawberries. Tastes like ice cream. It's incredible. Makes me feel amazing. It's got maca root in there, cacao. These are nutrients that get you high, that give you that healthy, happy feeling that I'm always looking for. I I thought I was going to be just adding it to my smoothie. Turns out it is the smoothie, as I always say. Sometimes people tease me that I say that. It's a meal replacement. It's a meal and a pill. It's as close as we've come to the future. I want you to try it and show your support of this podcast. Go to Kachava, Kachava, K-A-C-H-A-V-A.com slash weird, and you'll get 20% off a boom. Finally, not only am I recording these podcasts in the room with the clear light jacuzzi sauna, but I'm also often recording these episodes while I'm wearing my MeUndies uh, lounge pants, which are the softest, amazing fabric, comfortable pajama pants I've ever owned. They also make onesies out of these. So I want to give a shout out to the final Pete's pick, which is me undies. You guys know this by now. It's made from micro modal fabric, which is three times softer than cotton. It's incredible. Makes Bob Ross, makes Bob Ross's voice sound like Gilbert Gottfried. I mean, that's funny. And they, uh, they now make boxer briefs with a fly. Which is, the, uh, which is great. It's like the boxer brief, but for guys who like to go through the gate instead of over the fence. <laughs> As I mentioned, they have lounge pants, they have onesies, they have incredible fun patterns that always put me in a good mood in the morning when I'm picking what kind of underwear I want to wear or my lounge pants or my onesie. Basically, I'm living in these all the time. Michael Gunger and I were joking that we were going to start a religion, and the only commandment of our religion is to wear soft pants. The MeUndies lounge pants are what we're talking about when I'm talking about that. That is all I want to wear. Val and I did a complete underwear overhaul. Every single pair I own, today I'm wearing, it's peach. They're just peach. You can get regular colors or you can get like Star Wars or Pirates. It's up to you. But they also just have, you know, like grown up peach ones or black ones if you're boring. Just black or white. White if you're daring. Uh, So anyway... (laughs) If I show your support of the podcast, get some MeUndies like I did, and you'll get 15% off and free shipping. That's 15% off on the most comfortable undies you'll ever put on. Go to MeUndies.com slash weird. That's all you got to do. MeUndies.com slash weird. I know that's a lot of peach picks, but I'm excited. And those are actual products. As you know, I don't do traditional ads. These are really, 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 really products that I use and love every single day. I'm so excited about the sauna. If you've been curious, they make little ones too. I was at Rich Roll's house and he had the little one, which is about the size of a phone booth, which is even kind of better in a way because it's you know the 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 sensors are right there next to you. I got the big one if you have a garage, but try that. Show your support of the podcast and sweat some of that nastiness out of you. We should be a sauna culture. Anyway, in the meantime, enjoy this wonderful chat with Lewis. I hope you enjoy it. I wish Val were here. She would say. Get into it. I was just thinking in my mind, though, what you would do yeah. with this space. <laughs> yeah, you would have something working. You got something, you know. I got an, I got a lippy. Something. I got a lippy and the and the sauna. How often do you use both? The lippy. The lippy is rare, man. <laughs> 
You could help me with this. I, I'm sure a lot of people go to you for help. I just... Oh, that's okay. Whenever you got them. We're recording though, right? Because this is a hot question. So I went to my doctor recently and I was like, and they were like, uh, full workup and all that stuff. And they were like, you need to work out. <laughs> well, she didn't even need to look at the, the results. Just look at you. And- yeah, basically. Well, she can look at my stats. Jordans, are those what, fives? These have the, uh, I don't even know what they are. They have the, Fours. They have the striped ones. They have the red stripe on the bottom where he jumps from the free throw line. Oh, the free throw dunk. That's like where that he is stepped. That's a great idea. I guess. I don't know. I got these probably five months ago. I was like, you know what? I'm like super impressed that they. I am going that. to get into the sneaker game because I pretty much used to wear the same pair of shoes every day. And you can black... get into the sneaker game. And a bl- well, I always wear like a black shirt. I'm wearing blue for you. Nice. Because I was like, I'm going to wear something similar. Nice. Colorblind. This is like navy blue. No, I don't mean that oh, you're yeah. wrong about the color. I also wear black every day. Yeah, and, and I wear black jeans and a black yeah. T-shirt. And yeah. and I was like, maybe you just don't Let care. Me... <laughs> I, I just not think in a bad way. Yeah, not in a bad way. I was like, I want to have a little bit of flash, <laughs> like a little bit of, a little you know, pop. little pop. And so I got a couple pairs of Jordans, and I'm doing everything you're not supposed to do, which is I'm wearing the same pair of shoe every day. And so they're kind of getting like scuffed up. These were like expensive Jordans, right? Yeah. Like limited edition. Yeah, with the stripe on the bottom. Yeah, with the stripe on the bottom. They're probably well, you have like to get them cleaned. And I've never cleaned them. That's what you do, though. I, You're, like so lazy. we were talking about the difference between my house and your house. Yeah. And your house looks like you could definitely, without even saying anything, just put your shoes on the counter. <laughs> yeah, just and lick it off of it still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, they'll just clean them. Yeah, exactly. It seems like a, oh, yeah, a, a service that, yeah, your, nice. that your building would offer. It would. Be like, yeah, we'll clean your, your shoes. I know. But uh, also, who cares? I mean, you're doing yeah. it. That's my problem is I would wear those every day and then they'd be gray. Yeah, they're getting a little brown. I think they look great. Yeah, thanks. Are they? But I get tons of compliments on them. Yeah, and I don't. If I saw these on someone else's feet, I would have been like, I have no clue. Fourteen. Yeah, is that what you are? No, thirteen. I was like, that's me plus Uh, one. Yeah, but people are always like, oh man, you got the Jordan three seven. I'm like, that's what I tried to do. Yeah, but people who really listen to this podcast know I always guess Jordan fives. Because that's the only one I know. That's the only one you know. Yeah, I have them. I've never worn them. They have terrible arch support. Are Very you a, uncomfortable. Are you a, um, sponsored by a drinking water company? No, that's earthquake food, bro. Emergency yeah. earthquake food. See you in the Armageddon. No way. I'll give you all the protein. Are you? Is this the earthquake? <laughs> I'll give you all the whey protein that I have still. <laughs> the whey isolate? I'll is give this you some the, whey isolate. Is this the You'll the be at my house in the boat. Well, I mean, I think about this, man. It's, shit goes down. I, we have food. Here in the bunker. water. In the bunker. I mean, you could call it the garage. <laughs> I don't know so, if this will hold up the roof here. but I would, No, it's definitely coming down. But I will dig through. I asked them that. I was like, can I keep, I'd rather keep it in the house, in the attic. And they were like, and it was these two Bible ladies, like Revelation ladies. Like, I thought it was going to be like, so it was a friend of mine's house. I noticed that he had it in one of his closets. Like emergency food. And this was like a super rich person. And I was like, who does your earthquake food? <laughs> No and way. I thought for sure, no I know, we've just gone into a That's real... That's amazing. But you know what? When I first moved to LA, I was like, how is everyone not constantly talking about what they would do in an earthquake? It's just a thing that could happen. It's like being over 40 and having baby aspirin in case you have a heart attack. You should have that. Right, right. right. I have that. There you go. What do you need? I'm 36, so I'm not Dude, thinking I'll about get that you. yet. 
I'll get you. When I hit 40, I'm going to be coming to you for the food. for the. And I'll get you some of this, and I'll get you some of that. I got a guy now. That's an Adam McKay story. Adam McKay, because when they were making Vice, uh, what's his name? Christian Bale playing Dick Cheney, and there's all these these heart attacks in it. So then, like, they found out he was doing all this research for the character that he would uh, take baby aspirin. So Christian Bale... Because he's super method or whatever, would like have baby aspirin and stuff. And then so uh, Adam McKay had a heart attack, was having a heart attack, thought to Christian Bale, who's acting alone, has saved thousands, and took baby aspirin. So Christian Bale saved his life. Wow. Basically. That's powerful. It's pretty good. So now I have it everywhere. I guess Baby I'm aspirin. Little, got baby aspirin everywhere. And it works. But what I'm saying is the whole country... Is like a big fat guy that eats fried chicken three meals a day. Oh my gosh. And any second, we just all live with the awareness that at any moment, it's not to freak us out, bro. Yeah. Not to freak us out. But we could have a big fucking hemorrhage at any moment. It's so true. I'm like, if we do, we can at least eat You've some got... of this. These are army rations. Yeah, this is crazy. You know what's interesting? It. I was uh, speaking of overweight people, I was uh, in South Carolina last weekend playing with the. Uh, the national championships for for handball. I don't think I told you I play. You handball. play handball. Yeah, and so the, the national championships. It's a sport. That, Let me see those handball hands. Right. Yeah, it's a sport that those not, are big hand. Not many people like play in the U.S. Mitts. Yeah, I know. Not many people play in the U.S. So. Is that part of why you're good? That's why I'm good. Big yeah, old hands. Like, yeah, and those only, look like foam fingers. They're big. Yeah. <laughs> big, big feet. Big hands. Yeah, you got those yeah. 14s, and I don't know what your glove size is, but yeah. you would have been acquitted for the murder of Nicole Brown. Too. Right. Exactly. Because nothing's fitting those. I was uh, <laughs> unless they had a novelty I, foam hand. Tell me if you exactly. Tell me if you, as a as a traveling touring comedian, when you were starting out, if you remember this name, because I'm sure you've been all over the country. Hit it, Golden Corral. Yeah, Golden Corral. Golden Corral. All you where can you eat. go. It's not where your dreams go to die. It's where you go to die. <laughs> <You're gonna> die. <laughs> I was in South Carolina, and I went to Golden Corral for the first time in probably 15 years. Wow. Because a lot of the guys- That's not where you're from. No, no. But that's where the national championship was, in uh-huh. Myrtle Beach. But where you were from, they had Golden Corral? In Ohio. I think they do, yeah. But yeah, I would sure. travel in college. and Ohio translates to Golden Corral. Yeah. <laughs> we have something called uh, Cracker Barrel. Cracker Barrel. You know that, yep. right? Yeah. And then there was- um, Culver's. Culver's. Remember Culver's? Is that the ice cream? No. Bread bowl. Okay. No, I don't. Get yourself soup in a bread bowl. Those are so good. Bread bowl soups. Bread bowl soup. Oh, my gosh. When you're done, eat that fucking bowl, bro. Panera bread. I used to eat it all the time there. Panera bread. Oh, my gosh. Not good. No. I'll say it. Tasty, but not good. Is it tasty even? The bread bowl? Like the Okay. The the broccoli. You can't fuck up a bread bowl. If it's like a mayonnaise-based soup. Uh. I meant a heavy cream based soup uh, yeah. is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. A heavy cream is. you're gonna like get in there. You're not a mayo guy. Oh, oh man, I would throw up if I ate mayo, I think. Really? I'm not a I'm not a condiments guy. The you only, just don't like any condiment. You look I, like a you look like a guy. Here, I'm gonna tell you you're rich. <laughs> tell me what I look like. You get up at three thirty AM, you do fifteen minutes of Tony Robbins uh affirmations. Then you're gonna eat 30 grams of protein in 30 minutes, and you're going to get that. That's some uh, Tim Ferriss shit. Yeah, some, you're gonna some get raw that. eggs. You're going to yeah. get that in you with turkey with mustard on it. But oh, you're saying no. I I do want to hear your regimen. I do want you to make me work out. But. I only I, – I don't eat fruit. No fruit. The only fruit I eat is apples and bananas, but the bananas – bitch fruits. I know, but the bananas have to be perfectly like – You're not eating an airport ban- uh, apple. 
No, no, it's got to be a you know a crisp uh, Fuji you apple want, or something. Yeah, Fuji you know, is the apple are, for people like who don't. Forty like grams apples. of sugar, you know. It's like you want it, baby. So I, I only eat apples and bananas. I have no berries. I have no other fruits. I get like you I almost get want. Those berries, I almost like man. want to throw, almost, them your, throw them in your smooth. I like want to throw up. Why? I don't know. It's like what did a berry something in the back of my throat that's just like. You know, really? little, something about fruit. I feel that way about eating living caterpillars. <laughs> yeah, I would have the same thing. So I don't eat fruit. I have I have no condiments, uh, no mustard, no ketchup, no. No. Wow. No. Not mayo. for discipline, though. You don't like ketchup. I don't like the taste um, yeah. of thank any you, condiment except for barbecue sauce. And ter- like barbecue and teriyaki sauce and steak sauce are the only condiments. Over. Really? Yeah. Wait, slow up. No mustard, no mayo, no ketchup on anything. Ketchup! I will freak out if there's ketchup touching a fry. If it touches my fry, I won't eat it. I would only accept you as a human if you You're the meant- same? See? She's cool. Well, she probably has some disorder as some, well. <laughs> some disease like me. Yeah. Some weird you disorder. Probably, I only would accept the no ketchup if you were like- I'm Parisian. I, I dip that shit in mayo. <laughs> no. But you don't like mayo. I don't dip it then in anything. Then you don't even like mustard. Don't like mustard. The official condiment of people who look like you. Right. Seven From cows. The Midwest. Yeah. Two greeds. Get no. that shit in. Even no. like the bitch. I keep saying bitch, but French's no. mustard. Can't do it, man. Is like not up. that bad for you. I'll throw up. What are you just the eating smell. shit dry or dry. dipping it in A1? Dry. Dry. Uh, dry. Salt or dry or cheese. Cheese is a condiment that came from a cow. Yeah. No, I love milk, but I try to do... Since I moved to LA, I'm pretty much like only oat and almond milk. Okay. But I did have a block of Munster cheese last night. You know, Ooh. Munster was so good. All cheeses. Smoked good. Munster is the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't fuck with cheese. <sighs> That's smart. And one of the reasons is... Smart. Well, I'd like to talk about that. fuck with everything else that is well, not good for you. Yeah. I don't know, man. I'm coming to terms with this. I, it's it's weird. Because you're 40, right? How old are you? I am 40. I just turned 40. Oh. You got to change your whole your lifestyle, life, dude. Man. You got to make it a new lifestyle habit. I'm glad you're saying this. Let's get I some. Let, you, let's get some motivation because going. you've got you're 40. How? What's your weight right now? Let's get vulnerable. Let's get. I bet, dude. I'd like to say because I'm intermittent fasting. Mm. I'm not eating dairy. I'm eating well. I weighed myself the other day, thinking it was going to be two, three, five. It's what two, five, three. Dude, two five three, two five two. You're like me with the shoe sizes. I know. Two five, two fifty, and you're so six like, three, six four. <laughs> make that noise. Six three or six I four. I need medical, uh, you know, etiquette six, here. Six three or six four. I'm six six. Six six. Okay, so you got a bigger frame. That's still two five. Oh, you should be two two five. Two two five would be too small. Eh, nah, man. I too, too small. Five. Two two five. You're gonna have small? to get some muscle out of me or something because yeah, I've been two thirty. This is real. And that weird. was too small. Now we're just two guys talking. That was too small. Two thirty. I look like a fucking grape on a toothpick, man. It looks stupid. Because you're two thirty-five. If you got some muscle on, yeah, you. yeah, but that's never happened. Tell me how do you don't you, do anything. How do you get through that? I'm being real. How do you get through what? A workout. You like it? Are you like Schwartz? Here's what I here's what I know. I don't like working. You out. don't like it. No, but I think about my vision. And, and how I do you do that? On that. So, for example. I just signed up for 30 days in a row to do a thing called Barry's Boot Camp here in L.A. Have Not Barry's Barry. You don't eat berries. No. Barry, <laughs> the name is called Barry's this Boot Camp. This podcast is only for me. I, I looked at this Katie to see if she liked my Barry, Barry joke. So, no, I know you heard it. 
So, and I appreciate your honesty. So I've got the... And the, you represent a lot of people. So I, I focus on my, my vision with everything in my health. I'm, I think about... I don't have kids. You've got one child. Yeah. I think about, okay, when I'm 40 and I have my first kid or whatever, how old I'm going to be, I don't know. How do I want to show up for my child? And what's the example and the model that I want to showcase for them? Right. In every area of my life. Like, so it means I have a lot of growing up to do. And a lot of things I get to overcome to become a better person. I think about that. I think about my dreams of... Wait, wanna, so you want to impress your kid? I want to be a model. <laughs> a positive like model. A it. positive model. Yep. Uh, no, I understand that. Yeah. Not, what was your dad like? My dad was great. I mean, he worked out consistently. Really? Yeah. Usually a guy like you, correct me if I'm wrong, don't, don't, wouldn't you think you would come from a guy... You know, he rides a cab, but it's not even his cab. He just stole a cab. My dad was a life insurance salesman in Ohio. He was always pastrami and yelling He was eating pastrami, but... Uh, but he worked out. He what worked dad out. from the 80s worked out? Yeah, he was like a marathon runner. He was like a track guy in high school and college, so he stayed consistent with like... He played racquetball all the time and golf. And, and you just were like, out. I'll do that without the racket, dude. So, yeah, so I would play like golf with him. We would go golfing, and he would like watch me on the track, run. And did you golf with your ding-dong? Because no. I'm imagining that you do everything your dad did, but without the equipment. No, I did quite the golf clubs. So your clubs. big, long ding-dong? Exactly. My big feet. Yeah, I just kicked the ball. <laughs> I'm wondering now if it's okay to ask you if you played golf with your big, long ding-dong. No, I did that. We're still laughing. It's all good. Um, uh, but your dad, you, you got along with him, and you played with him. And, yeah, and we he, played sports he was together. A good model so he was a good model in that sense. He was a bad model in the sense that my parents were screaming at each other all the time until I was... 16 when they got divorced and then there was finally peace and you know because they weren't together anymore right so there was a bad model of how to be married i see which is why i've been terrified of commitment my whole life i was gonna ask yeah terrified you're 30 36 36 but now i'm in the relationship that i believe is going to be the woman for the rest of my life Uh uh-huh how long you been with this woman five and a half months five and a half months yeah oh wow yeah i was in a four and a half year relationship where the last two years of it, I was thinking to myself every day, how do I get out of this? I've been in one of those. Gosh, uh, it was like constantly stressing my chest. Yeah. I felt like someone was like stomping in my heart. You were constantly. planning an exit strategy. Planning it, but I was like, well, I don't want to hurt this person. I don't want to hurt this person. I want to, all relationships are challenging. So I want to give my best. Well, I have to think a guy it. like you that knows how to like grind at something. There's a danger gonna, to that. I'm going to make this work. Yeah. We, we were in ther- We were just dating, and I was like, we're we're in therapy. We're doing it. You know, work together. We're we're communicating. We're doing this. We're doing that. But it was just like we weren't the right match. Right. And, and we t- would talk about it every month. Like we it. should not be together. Really? We were like we shouldn't be together. <laughs> but then somehow so it would be mutual? like why, we were like well why are we together? And we're like. Because we love each other. Was and it, was it se- not to be too personal? Was it sexual? We had s- what I mean sex. is, yeah. I'm all I can do is tell you what it was with me. Yeah, tell me in the form of a question, but it's it's a leading question. Yeah, when I was in a relationship where I was like, this isn't right. The sex was the very, sex was very working. Good. <laughs> yeah, we had good. We had sex a lot until I got like exhausting for me because I just had no desire. Because I, you didn't connect with them emotionally. Yeah, we just weren't connecting on a lot of things, and our visions weren't aligned, and so it made it like a toxic relationship. You're fun, you know. Come on, let's get in here. <laughs> yeah, get right? into this. Talk about yeah. your visions. I mean, we wanted different things, and yeah. so I think when we want different things, it was a lot of conflict. 
Family was is that family. too obvious? What yeah, do you mean? family was. Issues. You do you mean like just the relationship style? Relationship style as her, what she wanted as a human being, and what I wanted were different. Yeah, and so we weren't getting the support both of us needed. Wait, somebody told me you dated. Forgive me, but it, I I told somebody that you were doing this, and they were like, "Oh, he dated an Instagram model." Is this that person? Instagram model? No, or somebody would, that you grammed a lot with. Uh, we did, yeah. She, she forgive me. That's what somebody said. Yeah, I, they yeah. were wrong. She, I, I, she was a. She's like a, uh, a, a physical therapist. Like the reason I asked was, yeah. was there was a social component to the relationship? Was that one of the reasons there was, we stayed together? There was some. We would post sometimes. And that was one of the issues we had. She wanted me to post more about her. Oh wow! And I didn't want to. Yeah. I would, so, I, so she got love whenever I posted about her. Ooh, dude! And then, I'm glad I asked. That's interesting. And then after a week. If I didn't post about her, she would start to be like, well, I'm not feeling loved because you're not posting about me on Instagram. And I was like, what? But I'm here for you. I'm present. I never take my phone out when we're together. I'm connecting wow, with you. Wow, I'm emotionally wow, available. Wow. I'm doing this. I'm Did she want for you it. to comment on her photos too? No, I mean, I would like and comment on all her stuff, but she would yeah. want me to post photos with her uh, publicly to help her insecurities, like overcome her insecurities. Wow! So uh, she was modern always, dating, bro. She was, and I was just like, "That's not what I want to do. I want my my social media to be about helping the world and like my, my brand and my business. That's what it's right, for. It's a business tool. Yeah, I'm post about you when I want to sometimes, and we would do that. You know, we would do this acro yoga stuff. So she would do handstands on my hands mm. in the air, and I would like do all this acrobatic stuff, right? And so it was fun. But when I felt pressure that I had to post about someone I'm dating to make her feel loved. Like, but she seems like a pretty not to make it too much about her because yeah, sure. she's not here. But she seems like you guys were talking and you're in therapy and you, you seem. Yeah. Well, I broke up with her, and then she was like, "I'm not letting you break up with me to be therapy," because I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much. She's, you know, I don't want to. She's a real living person. I, I don't want to rag on someone because for the last five months since we broke up, six months, she's been bullying me online consistently. Really posting about me like spreading lies rumors all this stuff really? yeah, from the breakup it's been actually a really challenging first three months of the year because i've never had someone spread so much hate about me with zero ownership zero appreciation zero gratitude zero responsibility for her part you yeah know, in the relationship that's what you mean by ownership yeah that's a big t robs thing yeah i mean just taking responsibility for your own actions right. and not saying, well, this person screwed up the relationship, so I'm going to blame everything on them, and then I'm going to publicly shame this person. Right. And then go but after... I mean, isn't that... Oh, sorry. Well, I mean, and then go after like his friends and tell all these influencers that he introduced me to about all the things he did wrong. Oh, wow. So for me, it was a very challenging... It was like the most difficult time because I felt betrayed by so many people I'd been supporting for years who were just so quick to judge you, me based on her, her posting, whatever she said, right. which is like an interesting thing because it wasn't t- me too. It sounds me too. It will, I mean, there was nothing me too. It was more of just like, he's a bad person. Okay. Like the relationship ended and he did this and this. She said that I cheated on her and all these other things, which is gray. I sent some videos to a girl and never saw her, but then she was like infidelity and this and that. <laughs> You know, I laughed what I learned from infidelity, you know, and like all this stuff. But it's interesting because there were notes of that in the relationship. It was very public. She wanted a lot yeah. of public, public, she public. Wanted so public. then she got the breakup that she wanted. She got the breakup where she got to express 
all of her anger publicly and get right. tons of validation. Right. And then all these people were just like, oh, yeah, everything you said is true, so I'm going to like back you with this without actually knowing mm. what actually happened mm. or having context or knowing what she had done. Right. To- but you sent the, I, I'm interested in the emotional state behind yeah. something like sending a video. So this is not this is not a gotcha podcast. Mm-hmm. We'll take anything out that sure, you don't sure, want sure, in, sure. so please don't feel uncomfortable. Yeah, of course. But as someone who was in a relationship where I was trying to get out, yeah. was the video something where you were almost hoping to get caught or you were looking for some and this, way and out? This, I mean, here's the thing. we For two years, it was like not good. Like Every month there was something where I wasn't living up to an expectation that she wanted, and then she would scream at me. What did that look like? Were you because like, the fifties wanna... is like you're out with the boys or you're smoking cigars? No, I mean, or... I've never been like? drunk. I don't go to parties. I've never smoked. Um, you know, yeah, none of those things. I would that coffee I gave you it's ayahuasca. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> there's mushrooms in here. Yeah. I... <laughs> Whoa! What am Can't I doing? wait to meet the real, real Lewis. Lewis, Lewis. <laughs> no, good for you, man. I think that's beautiful. Yeah, I've never been. Never. I never wanted those um, vices as like an excuse to. To mess up, I was like, if I'm going to mess up, I'm going to own it all. That's beautiful. I was like, I'm not perfect, and I'm going to make mistakes. Can I tell you something? So Emily Gordon, my friend, we were talking about back when I drank. I was like, I used to get drunk just to order Chinese food, and then I realized if you want to be have a cheat day and just eat shitty food, just order the shitty food. Yeah. Like you don't have to go into the Doctor Jekyll, yeah. Mister Hyde thing where it was like, ah, oh, blame it on the alcohol. <laughs> it, you don't have to do that. Right. Just do it. Yeah. Just go like you know what? I'm going Sometimes I want fucking white flour <laughs> and I want it fried Gluten. and I want it with a sugar sauce. Yeah, exactly. And just own it. Yeah. So you're doing that sort of emotionally. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. So I've never, I've never wanted alcohol or smoking or drugs to be an excuse for my behavior ever in my life. Yeah. I want to be able to say, you know what? Yeah, I was completely sober and I made a mistake. Parents drink? No, they never drank either. Really? Yeah. My brother went to prison Dude, for I selling drugs a... for four years. <laughs> Sorry to light up the that. <laughs> ooh. Yeah, ooh, that was interesting. Really? So when I was eight years old. Hard drug? Uh, he sold LSD to an undercover cop when I was... Eight years old, he was nineteen. So he went to prison. Get this is in the eighties. The fuck out. out. And so he went to prison for uh, six to twenty-five years for selling two sheets of LSD onto an undercover cop. Because in the late eighties, the war against drugs was a big thing in yeah. Ohio. They were really cracking down, so they were making examples of people like my brother. And my brother was the uh, one of the top classical violinists in the world under eighteen. And he had full ride scholarships to every university. He was at Ohio State on a full ride. And so he was like a prodigy child who was, you know, essentially trying to, had a lot of also things messed up uh, emotionally from parenting and everything else that. Right, the fighting? Yeah, all the fighting. That he's younger? He's old, 11 years older. Oh, he's so older. I, I was eight years old. He was 19. So he got it, like, he was like a little bit more grown. He was grown. He was like a, yeah. But I mean, he was also present for the parents a little bit a more. A lot more, yeah. He yeah. was the firstborn and I was yeah. the lastborn. Right. And we were living I'm the years same difference. way, dude. My, talk to, I have to talk to my brother if I want to know how bad it was with my folks, which was, was also bad. just verbal fighting. Yeah. I have to talk to him. Yeah, it was And bad. he remembers better than me because yeah. they got better. Yeah, they both got better as, as, as they, they went. Grew. And they got emotionally involved. They yours, were 19 yours, when they had their child. You know, get the first out, group. dude. Yeah, and they were both working three jobs and, you know, miserable. So your brother 
So he was got in into LSD because uh, he wasn't even doing LSD. He was just doing weed. Yeah. But someone said, "Hey, can I want to help me. Yeah. Can you help me sell this? Like, just make money. You? Yeah. When wow. he was like nineteen, trying to make money. Wow. So it was the only time he sold LSD. He went to prison for six to twenty-five years. But he got out of four and a half on good behavior. So every weekend, Dude, I would visit him. That's college. In college, that's whole college, college years prison. gone. Whoa! How did that crazy. feel for you? It was crazy because did you I look didn't up have to any, him or oh yeah, he was my hero. Yeah. yeah, he. So I wasn't allowed to have friends essentially during that four years because in a small town in Ohio, everyone knows what happens on my block. Yeah. So all the neighborhood they're all talking parents, about the Golden Corral. Exactly. All the neighborhood <laughs> parents wouldn't let their kids really hang out with me. Get out of here. I was like the kid, the bad kid. This is oh, interesting. Is this where your drive is starting to sort of? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff. You're I mean, I, I think I, your drive. I think I, to, I don't know if I told you, but I was raped when I was five. No, by, you didn't tell by me. By a man that I didn't know. What and, is, uh, forgive me for delving into that, but sure. that seems like a part of your origin story and we're doing it. Huge. Yeah. I was five years old. Five years old. So the babysitter's so son. He was probably 16 or 17. And for 25 years, I never told a soul. I started to open up, but I wrote a, I wrote a whole book about this called the mask of masculinity about the masks that men wear to project, to try to fit in into society. Cause that's what you thought you were doing when you weren't talking about it. Well, when I wasn't talking about it, I was, trying to fit in you know i was trying yeah. to fit in to look strong yeah I was trying and, to fit and in. the story of being a victim didn't fit into that no and so every time i felt attacked or under attack emotionally physically sexually whatever it was like the incredible hulk came out to defend myself of course but everyone was like why did you, you so need to build angry? a bodyguard because yeah, exactly. you were you were wounded exactly really young yeah young and was it i, I don't want it's not about getting into the details or sure. having you tell a story but was it like a, did you think you were in love with this person? Or no, I had just no clue. It was a one-time experience. It was the babysitter's son. I would go to this babysitter after kindergarten. Again, my parents were working like multiple jobs. So I would go to um, the babysitter after kindergarten class, like whatever, two o'clock until five or five thirty. Then my mom would pick me up. Wow. And um, every day I was there just like whatever, playing games or hanging out. There was a couple other kids there too, I think. And then I remember one day there was uh, this woman's son who was there. He was probably 16 or 17, and he was playing video games. And I was like, I want to play video games. And he was like, okay, but you have to do something for me first and go in the bathroom, and I'll meet you in there. And I had no – I'm five years old. Of course. No idea what's really going on until what's going on is like, huh, this is weird. And it's not – you know, it didn't feel normal. Right. But I was also like, uh, my brain just wants to play video games, and this is what the guy said I need to do. And right. so <clears throat> I didn't really think of it after that. You know, I was just like playing video games in my five year old developed brain. But every single day for 25 years, I thought of the moment. Wow. Like I can still smell and taste the experience in this moment if I go there. Wow. Like everything about it is very visual experience. Right. And thankfully, it wasn't like a repetitive thing. It was just a one-time thing, and no one else ever tried to do anything. Um, but it definitely shaped a lot of anger inside of me for this many years. Yeah. yeah, the Incredible Hulk. I'm like the most loving human being. But for years, if I ever felt someone was trying to attack me, it was like, I want to fucking kill you. What did that look like? I mean, with... The caveat, yeah. everyone understands now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But if somebody cornered you, 
it was just like I didn't care about if I got injured, if I broke an arm. I wanted to fucking kill someone. It was just animal style. Animalistic. Yeah. Like my brain wouldn't even reason. It was right. like it could be the smallest thing like someone just talking trash on the basketball court. I would fucking throw the ball and like get in their face. Wow. Like and want to fight them. Wow. And it was just like so reactive. That's so interesting. Hurt, Crazy. Hurt people, hurting people, right? But yeah. I mean like we hear that. But I would play basketball when I was a kid with people like that, and we're just like, "What is your deal?" This is why, like, the '80s movie of the bully uh, yeah. doesn't make it doesn't work yeah. anymore. It's a no, broken it mythology because it's like, "What the fuck happened to this person?" Yeah, or what is happening to yeah. this person? Yeah, and it's never just like, oh, "Just an asshole," right? Right? You know what I mean? Yeah. The thing that saved me was really, and you know, so that happened at five. Then my brother went to prison at eight, and I was I didn't really have any friends during that time until I was twelve. Dude, this is like it was dark. I, I know, but there's part of me that's almost like it's it it became your rocket fuel. I'm so glad it oh, did. It became something because it so easily could have become your prison. Of course, right? it became the anger became the second most powerful fuel for me to say I'm going to make something of myself. Yeah. I'm going to prove people wrong. Dude. I'm going to become bigger, faster, stronger than everyone, so no one hurts me. I I don't know if I've told this, and I'm only saying this to relate, not to take us off the subject, but like I remember a feeling of anger and fear. There was a Christmas that I went into the bathroom. I was so frustrated with my family and the way that we were that I went in the bathroom. And it was like that like moment where you're like, I'm getting the fuck out of here. Wow. And I, I believed it. I was older than, than you were. I 14, bet I was probably 15, 15 or yeah. something. But it was like, I'm, I'm going to be yeah. special. <laughs> yeah. And I think I already was seeing some Becoming specialness. That, yeah. But I was like, I'm going to hoist this flag up. So I felt that from, from a very young age. Frustration. Dude, I did too. Do you know the movie Ex Machina? Yes. Here it comes. People have heard this before. In that movie, I feel like I'm the robot. Uh-huh. I'm in captivity. Yeah, you're And I learn how to give the mother character, which is the young which, boy, what they, what they need. Yeah. So I may I like forged an alliance with my mother, and I and I didn't kill my father, but basically I escaped my father. Wow! So watch that movie again. Yeah, it's a good one. And drink that tea I just gave you. Is <laughs> that again the mushrooms? Is no, it's ayahuasca. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's dimethyltryptamine. It's yeah, gonna yeah. it's gonna take you somewhere. No, I'm yeah, just kidding. Yeah. Please keep going. This is so what yeah, what I'm so, saying is like it's dark, but I'm also hearing an origin story. Yeah. That is that is that's sort of like it's interesting yeah. and painful, and I'm sorry. No, I mean, and but five and then nine is not that quick. Five and after. eight, yeah. Eight and eight. I remember at five and eight, yeah. So I was I would go to the prison every weekend. We would drive two and a half hours to Chillicothe, Ohio, and um, sit in a prison like not visitor juvie? room. No, like a like a grown men prison. Grown man like max security prison where we'd sit in a visiting waiting room. Like it'd take an hour to go through like security. If we can go through the metal detector, patch you down every time as a five, you know, eight year old. Yeah. To all of us family members, we would sit there. We I think we had like a couple hours every time we could go. You can go like once a week for a couple hour visiting room. And I would be in a room with 30, 40 other murderers. Right. Convicts or not everyone was a murderer, but drug dealers, murderers, whatever, rapists and their families. And so I, it almost became like a community of you'd see the same convicts and the same family members every weekend. It was like church. It was kind of, yeah. and they were all have their Bibles and they were like, they were actually some of the nicest men. I'm sure. So as an eight year old, I became friends with convicts. Wow. And I would, and I was just a curious This is kid. your conversion. I don't, I don't mean spiritual. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm, I have a joke right now where I'm talking about prison rape and I think it's fucked up that wow. we're all okay with prison rape. 
And like, I would never do this, by the way. But like, when I'm hearing the story of your brother, that's what I'm trying to communicate. Is I'm like, you guys all think it's other that it's these murderers, this but is, you're even taking it to the next level and being like, the murderers and the and the and the convicts are also people that They're deserve all... to be protected. Crazy, which man. is a fucking the bit. It, it it it's so hard to do. But you're like, we think that if we 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 need to like starve them of love to like kill them or something no. like we hate it so much no. but it doesn't work that this way. guy's just made like one mistake or something yeah some of them like, and and then there's your brother and, then the, and i'm like my brother's brother. not a bad guy that's, he was like an educated like but as soon talented. as he becomes a prisoner mm-hmm. then we do not have to care about prisoners exactly. it's just basic us them stuff exactly and uh, the joke that i do on stage is i go isn't it funny we're all us now i say to my audience i go when we were in traffic you were all them I was honking at you. Yeah. I wasn't, but you I'm were like, hating them. You I was hating, hating them. you. You were in my way. Wow. And now we're us. And now I we're go all together. And that's what America is. <laughs> it's wow. just an idea. Yeah. <laughs> that's why it's called the US. It's us. It's interesting. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yeah. But it's just an idea. It's just a story you're telling, but it's convenient to go prisoners. But as soon as you hear a story, you can do this with any issue. Yeah. And it's clinical. They've tested it. You can take abortion, you can take drug dealers, you can take murderers, you can take anybody. That's why we movies like Dead Man Walking, where you're just like, where you humanize somebody and you go like, mm-hmm. oh, fuck, it's very complicated stuff. But with our brains, our binary brains would so much rather go, it's them, it's, it's, it's in the movie The Dark Knight. They're bad. A bunch yeah. of people died. Oh, no, a bunch of gangbangers died. Oh, okay. That's, that's right. their life. That's what happens. They deserve to die. But they were... They were doing what you would have done. They were like the entrepreneurs oh, of their space. neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. they were the go-getters. They didn't go to Yale. I'm not trying. Now I sound, right. I sound stupid. But I'm just saying it's all us. Yeah. And they had families that they loved. And yes. they had people they care about. And they were yes. good-hearted we, at, at most too, of the time. This you is know, my so. point. It's too overwhelming to love. We think love is like an, a non-renewable resource. So we can't give it away. Yeah. So it's easier and if I love prisoners, now I have to care about them. So it's easier to close your heart to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I said that to Adam McKay. I was like, if we love everybody, we suddenly worry about them. We worry about, are they getting food? Are they safe? So it's easier to go like, well, that, what, that happened in South Central. So it's someone, it's what? Mm-hmm. It's too overwhelming to love for so many people. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, your brother and you'd visit and it was like, so we'd go and it was like community because I would start to, you know, I would just wander after an hour or two. I would wander and like, just like, Hey, you know, I talked to guys, they were like super friendly. And I was like, huh, they're not this evil thing that you see in movies or whatever. Right. And I didn't know other convicts growing up in like middle-class suburban, like Ohio. Right. So it was all of a sudden, like I was exposed to this thing at eight years old till 12 that no one in my circle of influence was exposed to. Mm. And it opened me up to different things. It was interesting. My dad wanted to have 10 kids. My mom got her tubes tied after me because she went almost crazy. And so he (laughs) had seven different exchange students live with us from around the world for six months at a time that I was exposed to from five to like 14. So you got like a crash course in In the world. In In the the world. world. You have a minor in every like Every language from Brazil (laughs) to Japan to Philippines to France, like Germany, people lived with us and they would hang their flag in their room and cook their food and speak their language. And I got to be, I traveled the world by living in small town, Ohio. Whoa. And I traveled karate the darkest, kicks. And I I'm traveled doing karate the, kicks yeah, in right? my heart. That's so cool. And I traveled like the <laughs> darkest places in the world in Ohio as well by going to a prison. Yeah. And, um, so I got to observe a lot, probably too much right. as a kid. 
That's the risk, right? I mean, they're like, I've well, you don't want too much. Yeah, but you got to risk much. it. I mean, I was watching porn when I was five. I was oh. masturbating at five. How did that happen? I think because I, I don't know if it's because I mean, of literally being sexually how did, abused. Yeah, okay. Um, you, back in the '80s, there used to be like the scrambled TV where you could like half channel it, and it would show sure. pornography. Like, ha- I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, yeah, Spice Channel. Is that what it was? Yeah, yeah. I remember. And it's I remember. I don't think I've ever actually said. For some reason, I'm opening up about masturbating when I was five. I don't think. I've ever said that in my you're life. You're talking to the masturbation king. I okay, think, I think that's what you're picking up. <laughs> so I, um, yeah, I started masturbating at five. I didn't know what it was. Right, but this is before you're, you wouldn't come, I'm assuming. I wouldn't it would come. would just feel good. I remember, this, I can't believe I'm actually telling you this, but maybe it's the comedian in me that's, <laughs> that's bringing it out of me. I remember when I was like, must have been 12, when I came for the first time. And I thought I was dying. You thought something was wrong. I was like, what the fuck is wrong with me? I was like, holy shit. I freaked out. Of course. I flipped. Any other time a liquid coming out of you is a bad thing. It was freaking weird. Yeah, dude, it is. Because I remember how amazing it was that nothing happened before that. No cleanup. Right. We were basically women. It was incredible. There was the time where you could masturbate. Uh, Richard Lewis has a joke about that where he's like, if there was no discharge, if I if I had a clit- clitoris, I would just constantly be masturbating in the car, in the school, and yeah. this like anywhere. He's just like there's no there's no reason. That's crazy. That was his joke. What was the earliest? It was a different time. What was the earliest you masturbated? Well, I, I was going to tell you anyway because I, I will never let you breach a subject and not join you. Oh, thank you. Because the first time I did, I remember <laughs> leave me out to dry. I would never. Speaking of not dry, okay, but there was like a. There was all this religious baggage for me. So it was eighth oh, grade. Geez. How old are you in eighth grade? Uh, 13. 13. So like late, 12, even for jerking it, I was yeah. late. Oh, you started then? Yeah. Wow. Maybe seventh grade. So maybe 12. Yeah. Wow. But I remember the first time. And first of all, it was called, what do they call it? Slapping the salami. <laughs> so I didn't know how to do it. So I'm like slapping uh, it around. <laughs> like, what, like one of those boxing clowns that you can't knock over. <laughs> like my, my, my beautiful 12 year old. Perfect. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. a boner that I would love to have again as a 40 oh. year old. <laughs> and I'm smacking it like a clown. And like finally, uh, I sort of figured it out. Like I listened to my body and I figured it out. But when it started to happen, I, there's like the first time you do, there's like a convulsion to it that I remember. It's not like it is now. Right. Now it's just like, right. but back then it was like, it was like a cat throwing up or something. <laughs> there was like a movement <laughs> to it. It was like, <laughs> and I was like, something's going to happen. Yeah, because you were like, what is this feeling? Yeah. yeah and I, I think I clenched. I think I clenched. I didn't like keep it in. But I you certainly didn't Peter or release it. I didn't like I didn't have the liberation experience to be like euphoria. Oh! <laughs> like it wasn't that. I was like because that's the Christian guilt. I was like something oh, bad. Like, is I can't happening. do this. It feels too good. I can't do it. And I used it. to clench to stop myself because it wouldn't up. count if I didn't come. Oh my gosh. That's so you just, some real you'd spend Christian like thirty guilt. to sixty minutes like experiencing it and then you'd hold it back. I would stop. 30 to 60 seconds, I think you meant. Wow. <laughs> It'd take you 30 to 60 seconds? And Did, then to Jay it? In, I when mean, I how was much? 12? I guess maybe then. But I, I mean, mean, back in the you day. Could have, I used to try to... But I, I used know. to try to like play a game to see, like, okay, how close can I get? Hold it back. Can I do it again? Hold Dude, it back. Dude, you were stinging yourself. Yeah. Sting. So you were having like, tantra masturbation. Yeah. And then... Yeah, man. I bet that was great. It was crazy, man. <laughs> I mean, well, I didn't know what I was doing. When I was five, it was, I was using like a... Like a this is getting really detailed, but it's I would use like good. a I would use like a back massager vibrator. Sure. And do that for and I was like, Oh, this feels good. Dude, you we know? used to go into I, like I didn't really masturbate until I was probably like twelve. 
there was like I remember there was like a vibrating egg in some store oh, we were yeah. in, the and egg. when the clerk was gone, we just immediately put it on our dicks Dude. over our jeans. Amazing, but we couldn't wait. It'd be amazing, like just ah, we need something in the back. <laughs> the the floor sample vibrating egg went on oh, our preteen my gosh. dicks. It's amazing, and we just pass it around like me. Fucking childhood is so <laughs> weird, weird, man. It's so weird. Why are we so we weird? We all walk around acting like it didn't happen. Oh, my I, gosh. It's fucking... Life is weird. I'm so glad you have this show that I feel like I can open up. I could never open about this it on my show. It feels good. Don't you see? Like, as soon as you tell me <laughs> that that was weird. I also, pre-jerking it, used to read pornography and didn't know what to do. Uh. So I would just, like, sit there... The flag at full mass. Did you have just a, going like, huh? And then he licked <laughs> her labia. What's a labia? Because I'm reading penthouse forum so letters. I don't even know what it means. Did you have a hard on like all the time as a child? Totally. Dude, I remember being in school. Um, Packing heat. I used to. We used to. Call. I used, to, <laughs> no, I used to wear a belt just so I could put it underneath the belt. Of course. And hide the books over. Keep the top. it at noon. Keep it at Gosh, noon, man. What is crazy? Twelve life. noon. Twelve. It was noon. like wide earth, high noon at the does, OK does Corral. Talk about masturbation. It was not OK. A lot on this. Dude, show, I'll give you my book on the way okay. out. It's mostly sex with myself. It's called Comedy Sex God, and it's yeah, mostly yeah, yeah, sex yeah. with myself. It really is because that's when we're forging it. So obviously, like your sexual identity starts with your own relationship. Yeah. So obviously, with me, I had baggage because I was like, God is mad at me. You had baggage because this thing had happened yeah. to you. When you were alone, did you have a way of thinking about it? Like you wouldn't tell other people, but did you talk? I never to told anyone about it. I would like. Would you it be was, like that? Happens like me? a movie in my head would play every day. And what was the story of the movie? That I would was just a try bad to block thing, it. I would just or? try to block it out. I was like, I would just try to act like it didn't happen. Yeah, and, and then it just became like a dream every day. And I don't think I looked. And the feeling when you had the dream playing in your head was bad, or was it nebulous? I think I was just like blocking the emotion. Yeah, I don't think I was like this was bad. I remember in college, I was at a sociology class, and the professor was talking about like sexual abuse and rape. And I was like, "Fuck, this happened to me." Oh, like, wow! I, like I started to have like, I started to think about it more. I started to be like, "Oh man!" And I remember asking if I could meet with this professor after class one day because I just felt like I had to tell someone, right? And I couldn't even tell him. I was just like kind of asking questions about stuff, and I looking never, back. Do you think he probably knew? He like, probably knew. He yeah, he probably like, knew. But I didn't say like or... this happened to me, right? And I never told like a girlfriend or no, but my parents, no one. That's another weird thing about when we're kids, and you were a kid even at that age. You're, yeah, you were still yeah, kids, of course. He, and you yeah. think you're fooling people. Yeah, like so. That's the yeah. cliche of like, is this friend you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? That's that's a cliche for I a reason. Know. Is because we were all going around. And I'm sure I asked my pastor, like, let's say a hypothetical boy named Peabody <laughs> loves to masturbate. Is he is that going wrong? to hell? Yeah. yeah that's how, and they're like, is this Peabody you? <laughs> I totally understand. It, yeah. And it wasn't until I was 30 when I had like the perfect storm of the Incredible Hulk come out in my life. Like I used the anger as fuel to to uh, propel me forward in my life yeah. to get out of a dark place to get out of ohio to you know be a great a, a better athlete to you know and then from sports i played professional football then from after that i was but like isn't i that part of it i mean like like yeah. the boxing coach being like yeah thank your dad rocky you right. know what i mean like hit the one in the middle yeah, isn't yeah, that like, <laughs> <it's> like a, <laughs> but isn't that something that is 
not unspoken. It's not like the big dirty secret of sports, but I mean, think of someone get mad. Yeah, get mad. Get mad. So probably in a fucked up way. That's why I've always sort of felt bad for boxers. I'm like, these guys are in therapy right now, and we're like, it's so challenging. Can we just talk about it? I know. Because I, mean, I think the, the you can't sell tickets to two men just talking about no. it. <laughs> just well, like you, us. Well, you and you and Rob did very well. <laughs> you sell a lot of tickets. Yeah, that's funny. Um, not as many as Madison Square it's not Garden. As interesting. It's not as dramatic as watching someone knock their if head I off. If I punch punch Rob, wow, that, that would go, video would go yeah. viral. So I think I think <laughs> anger is the second most powerful fuel to help you achieve what you want, mm. and I think love and inner peace is the most powerful. Mm. Once you have a bigger since you don't like vision, purpose, or mission. No, I like vision. Yeah, yeah. I just noted that you said it. Yeah. When I, when I think you have a bigger mission of service as opposed to uh, proving people wrong. Like my whole childhood was I'm going to prove everyone wrong. The fucking guy who raped me, my parents, my siblings, whether they were, you know, I was, you know, they did something bad or not. It was just like the world That's is against Christmas me. bathroom, yeah. Yeah, it's, the world is against me. Yeah. All the neighborhood bully friend, you know, kids who wouldn't hang out with me. Fuck everyone. I'm going to prove everyone wrong, yeah. and I'm going to be bigger, faster, stronger, more successful than any of these people. Right. And I'm going to laugh at them one day. There's a great... Have you seen the Meyerowitz reports? No. It's on Netflix. It's a Noah Baumbach movie. It's great. I got to watch And it. there's a scene where Ben Stiller, who's sort of like the us character, meaning he went to LA, he's successful, yeah. and he comes back yeah. to see his family, and it gets me every time he's what with happens? his father... And he's he's trying so hard to like take him to a nice restaurant and have all these things, sort of deal Proof. with him yeah, yeah. and and show that he's successful, yeah. And but he still gets to him, he still breaks him. And as he, uh, it's played by Dustin Hoffman, Dustin Hoffman's driving away, and Ben Stiller screams after him. He goes, "I beat you." He goes, "I beat you," like almost like I shouldn't feel this way. I beat you. That that's the yeah. the folly of anger. It's like you need yeah. to find a better story. A narrative in your in your own. That's right. It's only going to take you so far. It's only going to take you. You won. Okay. Now what? Yeah, I won. And did you? And like, does does the real winner, I guess, scream at his dad? I beat you. Yeah. That's a hurt baby. Yeah. That's a hurt baby. Thirty years of living a life to prove one to have a moment of like being right, and it doesn't work. And it's exhausting inside. With my book, my dad. So there's all this stuff about my family, and my dad texted me. When he was reading it, well, first he said before he read it, which I understood, he was like, "You know, Peter, a lot of times uh, kids they they remember things wrong, right. right?" So I was like a little bit hurt by that. Then he read it. Then he texted me, "You remembered it correctly," mm. and I and I said How to Valerie, feel? "It felt great, but it but the story I keeps going. You wrong. The story keeps going because it was juicy. I finally." picked the That's fruit right, and it was running down my face and I was like I beat you I remembered <laughs> That's right I showed everyone <laughs> And then like a week later I have dinner with them and he goes you know kids remember things wrong oh. He just went back Oh that's what you And I was like dude you need to do it This is like Ryan Holiday and stoicism mm-hmm. he's like you need to do it for you Yeah not to prove someone wrong Your dad even if you do get him to come above water for a second and go, you know what, Peter, you are the best, and then <laughs> and then swim back under, it doesn't count. No, you no. have to believe that you did what you needed to do for you. That's it. I know, but it. how it's many tough. times do I have to relearn this lesson? <sighs> the rest of your life. The rest of my life, probably. The rest of your life. I th- I feel like that's the that's the I game. Think we live for validation a lot. Yeah, you know, a lot of the times. Speaking of which, would you Instagram me a little bit more? 
Sure. JK. <laughs> I posted a video of you uh, a couple weeks ago. You did? Yeah, oh, great video. Man, I've gotten People loved it. so much good feedback. feedback. From it? Oh, that's good. I told my, my team, I was like, dude, whoever got me on the Lewis House podcast, thank you so much. Oh, that's good. But I also think because I'm like weird spiritual guy, it was like a novel yeah. episode. Although I just saw you post another Enlightenment is within you, woman. Yeah, so you do Byron that all Katie. the time. I do yeah. a lot about. I try to go there with everyone. Like yeah. I'm having Mike Tyson on here in the next couple of weeks. No and, way. And I went on his show, and I essentially just flipped the interview. I just interviewed him on his show, and it oh, was wow. like it blew my mind. Really, this is all we talked about. What do you mean? We talked about enlightenment and inner peace and... I'm not even joking. I, Is screaming. that what the tattoo is about? Because remember how mad he got about the tattoo? Yeah. I'm like, that must have a deep meaning to him. I didn't ask him about the tattoo, but yeah, we asked about everything too. else. Yeah. He's still got it, you know. He is. <laughs> but he is actually a fascinating, like, woke dude. Is his phone dude. number 007-373-5963? Yes, that's the code to play Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson's yeah. punch out. <laughs> is that what it is? From memory. That's amazing. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Those black shorts. Oh, man. Dude, so he's into this? He is like on a spiritual journey, man. Tell me. Tell it was us. fascinating. I mean, I guess we could just listen we, to it. Yeah. And we were, I mean, we were talking about everything, all the mistakes he made in his life, like his realization he had with his wife, because he tried to own everybody. He was like, I yeah. own you. I own you. Right. And then his wife was like, you don't own shit. Right. And he had like a huge wake up call where he just wanted to own everything and everyone in right. his way. Right. And he realized he was just suffering like inside constantly. Mm. He's actually a really smart man, you know. Wow. I don't know. I had a lot of respect for him after this. I mean, I'm not saying he's a perfect human being. And I understand. Like, well, I but remember. To have a transformation like that, I was like, I respect the journey of transformation. Otherwise, it, what a waste. I mean, he got such an interesting curriculum we could say yeah very very heavy stuff growing up that poor i remember when he went to his manager's house for the first time or somebody promoter's house and he was just planning on what he was going to steal like he was going to come back and steal everything and then so i remember that from his documentary and the other moment i remember is that he was like he said no is his favorite word in the bedroom like but that's all ownership stuff. oh yeah you want to control you want to control it and, and play it and I, I'm working on a bit right now where it's called I my whole life I thought about sex wrong. It sounds like a TED talk, but That's it was a good TED talk. It is a good TED, uh, but I think it's true. I, I think I'm 40 and I've been thinking about sex wrong. It was, and I'm going to try it. I don't know. I don't know. Still, you still you think about sex wrong. I think I'm just now learning how to have sex. Really? How yeah. did you have sex over the last 10 years? Val and I, I like to start with Val because that's my wife. We'd occasionally slip into what I would call like transcendent sex, losing yourself into the moment, like actually merging into like one thing. Like being in love sex, you mean? Yeah, like like, I guess. And it's never been like, I'm not like an impersonal (laughs) lover. I just mean like we would would do eye contact and would be close and would talk and it was good. It It was very intimate. It was good sex. But like the way that I was thinking about it, I noticed that whenever I was coming or finishing, it was just this thought of like, now it's my turn. It was like, you'd almost always, and I told Val all this, I'd almost always in my head think of something else happening, like some other sexual experience that either we had had, some other story like, I'd be like, and now she's my mistress. Or, you know what I mean? It was just like... You weren't present in the I, moment. It, it, and it wasn't, a, it wasn't a majority of it, but it was like 
It was this feeling of ring her bell, get her to come. Yeah. But that's a fucking weird way. It's transactional. It's like, get her to eat a cookie. And then when, <laughs> then she's, I get had, my cookie. when she's had her cookie, now I can have my cookie. And I would be like, what position will give me the best cookie? It was all just like, <laughs> can I get the ass and the boobs involved yeah, somehow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, dude, not to sound too fucking whatever out there, woo woo. Something else greater is being offered to us, and it's a it's a dissolving of the ego oh, yeah. into true fucking transcendent oneness through the act of sex. I'm not saying it's wrong yeah. to look at a, an ass and just love the ass or whatever. Just just love the ass. That's yeah. the sound bite for this episode. It's not wrong to just look at an ass and just love the ass. I'm not. There's no shame here. God, I love the ass. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm just saying. There's something. Yeah better being offered it's, yeah. you could look at you could take it out of the sexual realm and just be like we're eating wrong you know what i mean like the cook like slowly cooking going to the market getting the ingredients and cooking it and anticipating as opposed but, to postmates you mean as opposed to just postmating whatever what you do. want all yeah. day long just give it to me now and chelsea Freddy has my... the best bit about that where she's like it's fucked up that we're like what would a king eat you shouldn't be ordering like fucking, we got in trouble. Val and I would eat like milk kings. bar. Would oh be like, God. could they bring us the macaroons from milk bar? <laughs> dude, like, milk bar is like over here. Pharaoh, it? I know. It's we, dude. They could be scary. here in twenty minutes. It's fucking not normal. We could and, have anything like a king. Yeah, like a two thousand years ago, we yeah. can have anything. Send me the fillet from Italy. That's her bit tonight. What yeah. would the if you could eat the best things in the world? That's not natural <laughs> but what i'm saying is i think pornography and i just think a general transactional achiever model has saturated even into sexuality yeah. where even with someone i'm deeply in love with feel deeply connected to when we were having sex it was very much like about pleasure seeking mm, yeah, of course and performance yeah i would joke with her where i was like like I'd always be thinking, like, where's my dick? Do I does my dick want to have sex? Like, do I feel virile right now? That's not the point. Spend some time just kissing. I know yeah. I'm on a, a tear here. I'm just saying, like just it. kiss and just feel how it feels to kiss. I like but I would be kissing, going like, "Is he ready?" It's the launch sequence began. Right. All head, all head. Is she head, gonna make fun head. of me if I'm not ready, or is she gonna think I'm no heart, yeah. no presence? Exactly, wow. no vulnerability. Now. We'll do something where we'll just stare in each other's eyes. This sounds so woo. I love that. For Eye a gazing. long time. No words or words? No words. No kissing? Just staring? No kissing. I think it's beautiful. We do it just I talk as, about a, doing that as a, a spiritual thing just because it's awesome. I think you should do it daily. Because like your ego can't minutes. exist in there. I think it's beautiful. And it only takes five minutes because if you can do it longer than... Well, sometimes we go longer than five. But you can do it for four minutes. And just drop into your heart. And that is the most intense spiritual life hack. Because you're... Richard Rohr talks about it. I found I finally found something where he, someone else was talking about it. He was like, "Your ego can't exist staring into somebody's eyes, so it's very uncomfortable." Like wow. thirty seconds in, you're like, "I don't like it." You fight through that. Val and I will do it, and then most often, or fairly often, we'll have sex afterwards because we're just two yeah, beings you're connected now. We're yeah, connected. Yeah. It's funny. As I, opposed to going like my ding dong. That's just jerking off inside yeah. of somebody. My last, uh, I was seeing my new girlfriend. And you up um, <laughs> last week, I guess it was, and I wanted to practice this with her. I was like, I'm gonna tr- let's. Hey, I just want to look at you for a few minutes and just yeah. gaze in each other's eyes. And she was very uncomfortable for the first minute. Yeah, she started giggling, laughing because she had never done that. Yeah, but then she got really into it, and she was like, Okay, 
I'm in this. Yeah. Like, I get this. Let's go there. Yeah, I love it. And um, it was really powerful experience because I talk about that, you know, what couples should practice if they feel like they're disconnected, like just look in each other's eyes for two to five minutes Yeah, and see what that feels like. Yeah. Without think, I'd like to just interject if mm-hmm. people are going to do it. It's like, it's not about thinking anything. If I do think it's something, I go, just give it space. I try and like physically expand mm. so th- so she has room to do whatever she wants to do. Yeah. That's awesome. I think if you imagine, and this is what I do, I try do to, it. I try to imagine like a, a woo woo uh, We're there, man. Thing like a golden white light radiating from my heart to her being. That's fucked. While I'm looking great. at her, if I can just radiate can golden white another? light, that's it. That's it. And just be. That's it. Love, Louie. It's <laughs> Louie Howe. Sweet Louie is what Sweet they used to call Louis it. Sweet Louie Howe. Till that name went took a goofy left. <laughs> but then. <clears throat> the sex that we have after we do that is explosive. That's what I mean. A whole other level of it's different sex. It's different sex. It's love. It's not it's just love. like it's making love performance That's and right. getting cookies. That's what I said to her. I was like, it's not cookies. I had no thought as a performer. I perform for a living. Sex had become a performance. Yeah. And I've heard other men talk about this yeah. i think i saw tracy morgan do a bit where he's like you just gotta give to him hot for three minutes or whatever like it's it's that it, and no no offense to tracy that's an old joke uh-huh. who knows where he's yeah, at yeah, now yeah. i'm just saying that's that we've been sort of sold a narrative of ownership mm-hmm. like throw it down work the walls make them remember you basically yeah. like like real basic make shit. them talk about you yeah yeah oh it's in it's in a lot of hip-hop i listen to like have sex so they'll remember you basically yeah. and and like after we would do some gazing i never and this is a big thing for me i never once thought about where am i like am i getting what i need should i should we do it this way so i can get my biggest cookie cookies were out the window yeah. it wasn't cookies and you can actually eat a cookie where it's not about a cookie yeah. but we're we're so we're we're such a itch scratch culture if you want this, get it. And nobody's enjoying anything. And it's and it's I think it's bled into our sex lives. Yeah. She's she's you know, I was in my I would say I was in my head, um not my penis head, but my in my mind yeah. thinking a lot in the first few months of us dating because I was going through I was not expecting to meet this girl. I went through this breakup and the breakup sh- my ex made it very public of what her truth was of what happened. And I said nothing like I was like, it's not for me to shame or bully someone of what she did to me. And it was really hurtful. And I felt betrayed by all the people that were so quick to judge yeah. her statements. Or it sounds her posts. like that was just as hard for you. Were the people it was more turned. hard for the people that I was like giving and kind to for years and helping I, them. You don't want to say their name, but I will Lil Wayne. Little Wayne. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no. I'm totally joking. No, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> the people I just like, you know, that was really, that was, Wayne, that was the most, down. like her posting negative stuff was hurtful, but was more hurtful was people being like, fuck you, Lewis. Like, I can't believe you did these things. And I'm like, right. first off, how do you know I did these things? Just because someone said something doesn't mean it's true. Right. And the fact that you would just jump on a bandwagon and start like doing this after years of me being there for you. It was really that was what was hurtful right, for me. Right. But I but I also was like, thank goodness I got to purge these people out of my life because I've been giving so much to so many people for so long. You needed a pruning. I needed a purging process, yeah. and I was like, 
now and the people who are my good friends they should have a, you know how they have the purge yes there should be a day this but we it, emotionally i know this is what happened to me <laughs> you tell friends this happened like, to me i don't know man the past five times i've asked you to hang out you've blown yeah. me off purge. so i just purged you <laughs> exactly i like that this is what was for me and i was like my ego was so under attack because i was like no i want to make sure everyone likes me and everyone knows the truth and i need to defend myself and i'm feeling like under attack yeah yeah but i was like Man, okay. Here's an opportunity to really shed my ego. Yeah, like, this is my ego coming out. One really? How? Come on, it was, man. You it was took crazy, the curriculum. Man. You said yes I, to it. I said yes. Man. I was thinking about it this morning. I was hanging out with my daughter, and I was like, "If I, I was talking to my editor, and they were like, you could do a kids' book if you wanted.'" And I was like, "I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't have an idea." But yeah. then I was like, "If I did." I was like, how can we teach kids to start saying oh yes to gosh. everything? Which, again, I know sounds like something Martha Stewart would say while yeah. tossing a salad. So it sounds stupid, right? But it is it, man. Dude, this is some real Lewis. I wish I was on your podcast. Yeah. Let's just do a swap cast. Sure, I'm just kidding. Sure. You've given me enough. <laughs> but what I'm saying, you really have. Thank you for oh, having of course, me on. Man. But I have started in the dark, 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m. when Leela gets up. The first thing I say out loud, I say yes. You say yes to being tired. You say yes to the dark. First of all, I am excited to see her. It's not like an act. But I think we're so obsessed with being genuine and being real. And that's important. I don't want anybody to be phony. But there is something about priming the engine Absolutely. of acceptance. All right, not being all right, a Tony f- Robbins. Right. Not being a phony balloon, because yeah, that's yeah, my tradition. Yeah. Yeah, of course. We're just like, hey, I Faking love everybody. It. And you fake yeah. it. I'm saying to you... You go like, because sometimes in the morning I feel a little existential despair. You go, I am the universe experiencing existential despair. There you go. Owning you it. go, yes. Dude, I take cold showers sometimes after the sauna. Wow, look at you. And I go, yes. I'm going to observe pain. There you go. <laughs> I like it, man. <laughs> I knew you would. I like that a lot. I was excited that you were coming today because I was like, I've been getting into so much woo-woo. I think people I are want too, some yeah. fucking Louis Howes, man. I want I think some people, greatness. I I. Not to judge any people, but I think people are very soft. And I think from my experience growing up of being in sports, you are conditioned to go through pain on a daily basis through practice, right? It's just like a, you just do it. It's like a spiritual practice. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, it's like you're just in pain every day. You do stuff you don't want to do. You're running suicide sprints. You're getting beat up like football, whatever it is. You're in the heat. It's miserable. Yeah. But it makes you confident. It, or it builds the yeah, foundation of confidence. Confident. It builds the yeah. foundation of belief in yourself. Yeah. It shows you I can overcome something challenging in my life. So when real shit happens, Dude. you're like, I've done this before. I can handle it. Can and I, I feel like people wow. now are really soft. That's why when you say, I'm getting up at five, maybe I don't want to, maybe I want to sleep till nine, but yeah. I'm doing it and I'm saying yes, even though it's not the most enjoyable thing. And I'm taking a cold shower, even if it's two minutes, it's something uncomfortable yeah. and it's good for you to be uncomfortable it's what they do in the i think in the army they take old chairs or they used to yeah i mean they get up they make their bed no one wants to make their fucking bed you know it's like but Dude, it's that's the what nobody greatest told thing. us nobody told us that those guys the greatest generation guys that are still making their bed nobody told us the secret which is they don't want to no one wants to do these but i always just thought shower. they were better than us no no one wants you know to do what these mean? things but i don't want to work key part of the story to leave out yeah if they go I don't want to do it. No. I make myself do it. Then you go, oh, I get it. Yeah. It's a game. It is. When you play a game in your mind every day with your life and your vision, I believe that you can overcome anything. And and you, you build a sense of belief. And for me, 
self-doubt is the silent killer of big dreams. Like if you doubt yourself, you will not create what you want. Yeah. You'll create minimal results. Yeah. So how do we overcome a, this self-doubt? This this uh, little micro achievements. That's it, man. That's what I told my my uh, brother-in-law. I was saying you want winnable games. We were talking. Quitting a game in your mind all the time. And little ones. Yeah, to I get do the little momentum. ones and I do big ones. Yeah, well, I think you're playing at a different I'm like, level. Yeah, I'm, I'm like constantly every year I write down like my biggest fears, and I'm like, what's the thing that's emotionally holding me? Not like I'm afraid of heights or like right. skydiving bears, but like what's the emotional barrier that's terrifies me? And I've been doing this since I was. A child, like I remember, I was terrified of speaking to girls when I was like a teenager, right? And I couldn't talk to girls ever from eight when I like knew about girls until sixteen. I mm. couldn't do it. I was so afraid of rejection. And I remember when I was sixteen in the summer, I would come back uh, to Ohio for the summer. I went to a private boarding school at this time to get away from my family and my parents because your was, idea. I begged my parents to send me away. <laughs> This is how like dark I would place I was in, and I was like, wow. I need to get away. I laugh at the initiative of a child me. to be like, yeah. When I was thirteen, I begged them to send me away. So I was I've been on my own since I was thirteen, essentially. Wow. I was like stealing. I was like hanging out with like two losers in the town. The only people I could hang out with were like smoking and stealing. And so I was like, let Skeeve me skeeve and rich. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I knew skeeve, and um, so it- I remember being like so lacking uh, confidence in myself with, with girls, right? As a teenager, I don't think any boy had confidence in with girls, right? But I've said to myself, I'm sick and tired of being like emotionally weak mm. in this sense, in this, uh, this part of my life. So I created a challenge for myself. I said, every day this summer, whenever I see a girl like at the pool or at whatever, walking down the street who I thought was attractive. That's a great example of the pool. I would rather die. (coughs) Right? I would rather tie bricks to my body and jump in the deep end than chat to a young girl. Yeah. So I said, anytime I feel butterflies when the girl I see, I need to essentially like sprint up to her, not in a creepy way, but I need to just walk right to her and start a conversation. Wow. And for the, I did this every day. Because you started to own what is the fear, right? I I was just like, yeah, I was just like, gosh, I'm never going to get over this until I actually get over it. And also, what are you, what am I afraid of? Yeah. What are you afraid of? And so the first week I would do this and I would like stutter and stumble and talk to these girls and they would just laugh at me. And I was just like, man, I'm a loser. You'd moonwalk away. And then I would just be like, okay, I'm still alive. Like Dude, this is I'm never going to see these girls ever this is again. What I tell people when they want to start yeah. stand up, I'm like, "What do you think's going to happen? Yeah, they're going to laugh at you. You're yeah. going to be made fun You're gonna of. You're going to bomb, and then they're going to talk about you to some friends, and they're going to forget about it. You're gone. You, they don't. The care. memory of you is gone. gone. And so I just said, <laughs> so I did it stand up essentially in real life. Yeah. Every day I would talk to at least one girl a day, and um, I tell you what, by the end of the summer, I was the most confident 16 year old boy there was. I was going up to 40 year old. Groups of 40-year-old women just like flirting with them. Yeah. I was just like asking for numbers from everyone. I didn't care if they said no. Wow. I just had so much belief in myself. I was just like, this is a game. It doesn't matter if they like laugh at me. It's or the curriculum. It's the curriculum. It's the game or it's the class. I did this with everything from public speaking to um, Dude, that's singing it. in public, like everything. I just said, man, what's am I most afraid of? I'm sick and tired of being this way. But then Let you, me go do it. When you get deep into what you're afraid of. Isn't it like a pack animal thing? You think they're going to like reject you and you're going to absolutely food, and you're going to no be alone love, and yeah. you're going to be alone. You're going to die. But that's what's helpful about those exercises where you're like, what do I want? 
what's standing in the way of what yeah. I want, and you really outline what you think is going to happen. That's it. And you can see how stupid and you go your there. Brain okay, is. and then what? And then what's right, going to happen? Right. And then what? Okay, right. I'm alone, and they laughed at me, and right. then I start again. Zoom out. You're yeah, on a planet, deal. and somebody laughed at you? Yeah. Who cares? <laughs> in a universe. <laughs> but, You're in the Milky Way galaxy, yeah. <laughs> and somebody laughed at I you know. at a pool? Oh, wow. Dude, you're helping me realize that my dad modeled that for me. Wow. Like, you know, I I, <laughs> I don't think I talk shit about my dad, but I, I do talk about some of the, like, the psychology that I'm working yeah. through. But one of the things that he did was he would talk to and d- did talk to anybody. That's and, like, a powerful model. It is a powerful model, yeah. Because he was political in that way. I mean, he amazing. was an oil man. He was, he was not, he was a politician when he was younger, but he just showed me that it was like, and that like strangers he would go up and talk to or at the restaurant or in the, on the line he would just be like hey he wasn't afraid and he, and he still you know he still looks for excuses to like if he saw you he would talk to you about how tall you were right he'd find he'd, something he'd to guess, say he'd guess your height then he'd uh, you know he wouldn't know about your sneakers but you know right, he'd right. find something, something to, to build a connection with like i did with your shoe size yeah. that's my dad yeah. like a 14 when i see people that are near my height I, I, I'm six pretty four, good. Six I go five, six, yeah, yeah. And it's just a way in. We're just going, I'm alone. Are you alone? <laughs> cool. We're together now. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm a little scared. Are you? Right. And that's what the comedian does. The comedian goes up and literally says, like, I'm a little scared. You know what yeah. I mean? And, like, and finds a way to connect. That finds some way to connect. Wow. Because the women that you were talking to were also scared 15, and lonely. 15, 16-year-old girls who are trying to want a guy to come up and talk to them. Yeah, exactly. Would like I feel, some, dude, feel when I was single, like, uh, the way my pickup line was, "I'm I'm bored. You seem interesting." <laughs> That's a great line. I'm I'm like it would, but it was honest. I didn't say it because it was the line. I would go up and I would say, "I'm tired of talking to my friends. What are you, What are you guys talking about?" Oh, That's cool. And it and it wasn't. This is this is real. It wasn't just to get in their pants. Yeah. It was sometimes it would lead to sex, but it would always just be like, "For real, I'm tired." Of Oren. <laughs> right, right. Oren name check. But he, Oren and I would go to bars and I'd be like, I, I know everything about him. What is your deal? Oh, yeah, that's cool. And that was that was the most, that's that's one of those things that like, it's like the making the bed people. Like you don't understand yeah. that I was forcing myself to find a way. Do you feel like it's easy for comedians to pick up girls because you're always well, funny and it's like girls like the funny guy or? I found that like people would say that it was like a, a, the aphrodisiac was the set. Like yeah. you do the set. I would see that happen with other other comedians. I'm not saying that because I'm like, I'm not like that. There was a period where I was absolutely trying to have sex after shows. And and yeah, it, it would work because you you were in this giving yeah. and also powerful position. Mm-hmm. That's tricky though. I mean, you know, we're we're talking about power dynamics, you know. So you 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 showed off, yeah. basically, mm-hmm. and then you got off stage, and you're like, "I'm the guy that was showing off." So then, I added value to your life. I'm interesting, right? I hope. I hope it's. I hope this is innocuous. But then people would come up and they'd at least know you a little bit, yeah. So they could sense from your performance whether or not they were interested in talking to you more. Yeah. And then I've, I here's the more interesting thing. I've noticed now that I've been on TV and stuff. This is not about sex. I'm not trying to pick up people, but like people just think I'm funny. Even though I'm not being funny, I call this I, Zach Galifianakis is very funny. But you, I've been in the room with Zach yeah, many funny. times, and he'll just say he just is naturally funny. But he'll just be like, 
I like uh, college-ruled paper, and everyone laughs. He laughs. And I'm like, Why? He's just wow. saying, well, because he's created the context what around I'm his life. That's what I'm saying. That is fun. Michael Jordan uh, throws a pencil on a desk, and you're like, the accuracy that he threw it. <laughs> right. You should have seen the arc of the pencil, and he knew the eraser was right. weighted. So it would land, and it's like, did he? Or did he just throw a fucking pencil? Dude. So we're all a bunch of stories going yeah. around, and that's what I hear in what you're doing is, you took ownership of the story. You were given a story, yep. which is kids can't talk to girls, yep. and you are awkward, or you are unworthy. Super awkward. Or You know what it is, dude? <laughs> I keep saying, dude. The story that I think is most hurtful to people is that, that uh, there are special people other places, somewhere else, that aren't you, that are deserving of what you want. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Is It's like, to become a comedian... There's like a declaration you have to say, like, I can be a comedian. And that's sort of the hardest part. Really hard. Because you think comedians are like the funny people. But here I am telling you, it's actually the other way around. You become a comedian. Hopefully you are funny. And then everybody starts sort of thinking you're funny because you're telling a different story. You're telling the I am comedian story. Right. So you started telling yourself the I am confident story. Exactly. (laughs) But it's all bullshit. It is. But you I like mean, choose your bullshit. Choose the bullshit that benefits exactly. you. <laughs> I could choose. I could choose today to be. And there are moments where I'm like this insecure fucking seven, eight year old kid from a small town in Ohio that I'm like, what am I doing in L.A.? Like, why are these people coming on my show? Like, am I even worthy of this? There's still moments of that. Of course. Where I can wrap my head around That's that story Oprah. and hold on to it. Oprah says when she interviewed anybody, <clears throat> she said Barack Obama did her show. Commercial break, he leans over and goes, was that okay? Oh, it's crazy, right? We're all looking for validation. Going, is that okay? Is that okay? I could answer that one better. Yeah. You're Barack Obama. You're the <laughs> most powerful man in the world. But I bet Barack Obama go, goes and orders a sandwich and they go, the eye contact. You know what he He took on a different story. Yeah. President. Yeah. It's just a story. It's a story. It's just Barry, man. But then the tra- Barry from the block. But then the identity... Once you're not that anymore, it's like who are you when you're not the president anymore? Yeah, I wonder how he's actually doing now. It's like yes, I was the most powerful man, but am I powerful now? Well, that's why I'm wondering what you're. So you had this experience, this public humiliation, yeah, and you took it as you said yes to it. I'm saying yes to five thirty a.m. You said yes to something much more difficult. But not everyone knew about it, but there was a, a circle. It seemed bigger than it was. You, yeah, it seemed like. But this is the the risk of social media is yes. we all start to believe a, a story, which is that yeah. our world is the world and yeah. what people are saying it's about me. a moment me. in time in a freaking massive galaxy That's why it's zoom planets. out. Zoom yeah. out. They didn't comment on my photo. Zoom yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Zoom out. <laughs> zoom out so far that from a telescope we wouldn't even see you. Yeah. It, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's so silly. You know what's interesting? Yeah, not to go off track here, Jeez. but when I do my meditation track. practice, <laughs> when I do my meditation practice, I do that every time I'm meditating. Where I will, I'll do a, br- a breathing technique that I learned in India when I when I went there a few years ago. No and, way. Yeah, I went there for a couple of weeks and became a meditation instructor. Cool. And, um, <clears throat> which, I want to hear about which that. really just means I took an extra class to like learn how to teach it, but I'm not teaching it, so I'm not. I like understand. This perfect meditator right um but when i go in my mind through my meditation practice there's a moment where i'm done with the breathing strategies and certain techniques of like humming or whatever and i take my i look at myself outside of my body and then i watch myself this is really weird i watch myself coming out of my body like my soul or spirit 
and going into the sky in the clouds. Mm-hmm. I'm dancing. It's a dance party in the clouds, and I'm bringing up the entire world with me into the clouds, and we're looking down. Mm. Then, while the dance party is happening in the clouds of all of humanity, I, like Superman, fly into outer space, and I see the world down, and then I'm jumping on planets and stars and to the point where I can't see Earth anymore. This is what I do in my mind with my meditation practice where it's just peace and calm and still Great. and I can't see anything and I'm just like I can't even see the problems. Yeah. They're so far away. And yet you're still here. And there's so much expansion that goes for infinity that none of this actually matters what is going on in my inner world right now. Yeah. None of it. And then I come back down to earth in my mind and in the meditation practice and I go back into my body and then I'm like okay, let's go have a great day. Yeah. And it's a That's beautiful it. experience to continue to expand. So I love you talking about like expanding outside yeah, of this zoom world. Out, zoom out. Outside of your world. Yeah. Which seems so. Your story. The story. Man. What story are you believing? That's it. Yeah. And tell a story that's for your benefit and for other people's benefit. Because why not? Might as well. We're you're, only here for how long? Who knows? Or you're just living out someone else's story? Exactly. I am not. I don't. I'm not worthy. That. I don't no. deserve this. Create your own story. Well, that's that's a that's also a bullshit story. But th- this goes back to me being like, well, I don't feel like yes in the morning. These freaking army people don't either. Yeah, that's. The I mean, Navy I feel SEALs like don't feel like that either. That meditation is beautiful, by the way, and I love it. And I didn't think it was that woo woo at all. It could have been more woo woo. Yeah, okay, that's good. I could have used more woo woo. That's good. Can we up the Katie? Can you up, up the, the woo? Up the woo. Can you up the woo. I mean, <clears throat> that's beautiful. I'd love to hear about India because I, Dude, I've always amazing. wanted to go, but I'm afraid. You know how people are afraid of having kids. That's how I feel about India. <laughs> Well, I went to like a like I went to. A well, f- I have me time. Yeah, right. You should go for a, at least a week. Yeah, and go to the meditation facility I went to. It's very, it's non-religious. It's not like, it's like modern science and ancient Indian wisdom of you know. Whose center is it? It's called One World Academy. This guy named Krishna G and Prita G. They're the founders. They're married and they're they're the founders of this facility. Are they Indian? They're Indian. They yeah. sound white and they live in Venice. No, no. That's yeah, right. Right. That yeah, sounds exactly. like Venice, right? <laughs> they make and, their uh, own uh, blue jewelry? Exactly right. <laughs> they're they're incredible. And there's like a, a facility of monks there that lead a curriculum. You, you're practicing all day. It's not like a silent meditation retreat. You're in a, like a classroom on the floor with like a comfy couch type of thing. And you're practicing multiple different strategies mm. for different parts of your life. And uh, there's some, you know... Very practical stuff. There's some woo woo crazy stuff. There's. It sounds hyper Western. Yeah, they've they made it like modern science. They so as opposed to they've taken like ancient practices of thousands of years from India and said, okay, how do we confirm this with science? Yeah, how do you know that eight second in breath and holding it and then breathing it out sixteen seconds is actually good for you? Right. Like, how do we know this? Right. And so let's actually do the research and, and the that science. appeal that that. Uh, Suppose just like this is a spiritual practice and let's right. do this. Why? Right. They said why. Right. And found the research Dude, and science. I was just listening to Richie Rohr, no surprise. And uh, the great series that he gave on, it's on iTunes, highly recommend. It's called False Self, True Self. Mm. And he was talking about, you. I think you would like this. He was talking about the science of, um, I can't summarize it, 
but he was basically first of all he's talking about heart intelligence and how we've proven that the heart actually has oh, like a yeah. brain like the brain, quality. Yeah. There's a heart so brain. So the stomach, like the gut. The gut brain. Yeah. Isn't that fucking nuts? Crazy, man. And he was saying like the way it works is it starts low and it works up. And he was like, look to ancient Egypt for other examples of this. Look at the chakra map yeah. for other examples of this. And he, and I'm one of those people that I'm like, I don't really need it as much, but I do enjoy it when I get it. Like I don't need someone to go like, here's why it works. Because I'm like, yeah, yeah. If they were doing it for thousands of years, it's probably it's probably it's working. paying out for but it's somebody. It's nice to know that someone did the research and yeah. yeah, it's super fun. It's one of my favorite hobbies. As hobbies, as India as a country, what was your experience like there? I wasn't like, you know, I I landed in the airport, someone picked me up, and I drove two hours to this facility, and then I, I was you were in a facility. It was kind of like being in Malibu, yeah, type of an experience. It was like big walls, like no one could come in. Right. It was a nice like compound on the ocean it was like a beautiful experience but driving to this place was insane yeah because there's cows and chickens all the roads and right crazy traffic i was in delhi for two days and i got sick in delhi um and it's just crazy there's tons of pollution there's tons of people everywhere it's just it's madness right you know but if you just go to the facility and you're there for the week you're living in, it's like you're in malibu you know that's cool but um but it's a cool experience to go outside of the country and be in a place where that's all they're doing is practicing this. Well, that is the main reason I want to go to India, and I'm afraid it might break my heart. Um, I mean, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Well, well, that for sure. And then I'm also afraid that I might be disappointed because I want to go to a place where it's normal for people to see God in everyone. Yeah. Because that that I, but you know that can't be true yeah. of an entire country. No, but it's they, not. They. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the country's got a lot of problems. I mean, I've been, my, my girlfriend's in Mexico City, and I've been to Mexico City nine times this year. And it's like... Why? What? Why? Why are you going to Mexico City so much? To visit her. Oh, she lives there? She lives there, yeah. Oh! She's Mexican. I thought you just kept going there. No, no, she's she's there working. Oh, okay. And um, so it's been Where there. did you meet her? We met on Instagram, actually, yeah. No way! Yeah, Instagram. She slid into your DMs? She started following me a couple of years ago, and but she had a boyfriend, and I was in a relationship as well. And she was just following me as, and I messaged her because I, I saw that she followed me, and she's very famous in Mexico. Singer? Um, she's a TV personality. Yeah, oh. yeah. An actor, and she does theater and movies and. No you know, way! What fun! And I remember seeing her, and she's very famous for you know how beautiful it is and things like that. And I remember being like, "Oh, this is a." I was already emotionally gone in my relationship. Yeah, but I was like, "Oh, she who you sent the video to?" No, no, no. Oh, okay, no, no. I never flirted with this girl. Uh huh. Other, you know, girl. But um, <laughs> other girl got video. Girl, girls that I wasn't actually wanting to be with. You know, it's just right. like needing an escape because right. I was trapped in my life. You were, at, you were hurt. I was trapped. Yep. I was like getting screamed at every week for you know not being the right man or whatever for her, and felt like I needed an escape. Um, not saying it was the right thing to do. It was not, but um. I didn't have the emotional courage to end it. I tried to end it. And I think I mentioned this too. I was trying to break up with her about a year ago. And she was like, you're not ending it until we go to therapy. And I was like, I'm, I have no desire to be with you anymore. Right. Like, I was being so honest. I was like, I've lost all desire. You've been screaming at me every week for months. Right. No matter how much I try to change for you, you're not satisfied. Right. I'm exhausted. Right. I'm done. But my heart was like, okay, I want to be a good guy. I'm going to go to therapy. You find the therapist. I don't. I don't want to decide with you, but I mean, that, that 
when someone knows like you're like an achiever, I, yeah, performance uh, uh, improvement guy. Yeah. That is a way to like extend something. I know it was it was it was bad, but you know I learned a great lesson, so I, I don't take anything back. And um, <clears throat> so this girl started following me a year prior to that when I was already emotionally trying to get out of this. Mm-hmm. And I just said, "Hey, thanks for following me. You know, if I can help anything, let me know." And she was like, "I'm really inspired by your work. Like, I want to I want to get your book." And so I sent her a book, and that was it. She was in a relationship. I was in a relationship. I never flirted. Nothing. Right. And then um, after I went through my breakup, I was like. Finally, I have peace in my life. Like it felt like peace. It probably instantly. felt you had also been single for years. Yeah, because I was emotionally <laughs> trying to get single. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, because it can sound like maybe you're swinging from relationship to relationship, but I've but been I'd in the relationship yeah. where you're like, no, I've been single. I've been with somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I've been single. Like part of me was like, okay, I want to be single all this year and just have fun. And but I was emotionally disconnected and mm. going through a lot of stress that I just felt like my heart needed love because I didn't feel loved for years mm. i felt like under attack constantly and um so i remember <clears throat> reaching out i was like re- i saw this girl pop up on instagram after we'd broken up and i just like oh now i can flirt with her like, right right let me message her right and um it's a google translate exactly right <laughs> luckily she's 80 percent, 90 percent fluent in english so oh good she's, she's she's pretty fluent i just wanted to make a google translate joke yeah. <laughs> So I, uh, we started texting and, um, so I messed her on Instagram. This is funny. I flirted. I'm kind of like flirting with her. I'm like, Hey, hope you're doing well. How's it going? But I hadn't talked to her in whatever year and a half or something. And I started like kind of flirting with her cause now I can. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Hey, don't flirt with me. You have a girlfriend. So she, she was like, oh, wow. Hey, I don't like that. You have a girlfriend. And I was like, well, actually we just broke up a couple weeks ago. Funny. You should mention yeah. it. And, and she goes, Oh, in that case, here's my number. Text me. Uh-huh. And and she always like thought about me as well. She was like, "You're the really the man I wanted to be with. You were like this good man who's always giving back, who's doing charity, who's like a kind person." She was like, "You're the guy I wanted to be with, but I wouldn't allow myself to. You know, I was in a relationship, and I kind of blocked that. Mm. So we start texting that day, like back and forth, back and forth, and then I start calling her about a week later, FaceTiming every day, and then. After like three weeks of us hauling and talking, she was like, I want you to visit me. Were you nervous that first FaceTime? Yeah, I FaceTimed her just <laughs> randomly because we were texting back and forth on WhatsApp and she was getting right back to me. She wasn't like playing games. She was just like, I would text and she would get back to me. And then I was like, I'm going to call her right now. And I didn't know if she could like speak English that well or not. I was like, 16 no year old Louie Howe. Yeah, it was a little nerve wracking. At the pool. Yeah, exactly. Well, she's also <laughs> extremely like, she was like my dream girl. Yeah. She was like, I had a vision on my podcast before I met my ex-girlfriend. I did a guided meditation on my podcast where someone led me through it and said, I want you to imagine you're like your wife, your dream woman. Yeah. And it was essentially this woman where I was like, it's a Latina woman mm. who's super passionate, who's like full of love in her heart. Yeah. Like all I know, I know Tony Robbins is in some hot water. I don't even know the story. Yeah. But he did have that exercise where he was like, right. He was like, write a out the attributes and yeah. he was like get really selfish Spe- and specific. specific everything you want like no one's gonna see it just write it out and everything. i wrote val it was what val was <sighs> isn't yeah. that awesome isn't it great i met someone last night it was crazy i remember thing. where where i was when i wow. did it too and it was embarrassing it was embarrassing it was it, is. it was hard to admit exactly what you want but and what? i wasn't i wasn't good at it yet now i'm well, like i just don't even know what we want 
but you start becoming like an architect for yes. your your life or your dreams or whatever. And I and yeah. I, I I've gotten better since, is what I'm saying. But at that time, I was like, can I even write this? I know. And now, but you got you know, it, man. It's it, amazing. And it was it wasn't just physical. It was like the things yeah, the that, spiritual that, that she wants and how I want to feel in the relationship. I remember saying like, I want to wake up in the morning next to her and see tears in her eyes because she's so happy to be with me. Aww. And I want to be in tears a lot when I'm around her. Yeah. And I've cried more in the last five months with this woman than I've ever cried with any woman. Wow. Because she just opens my heart so much and she sees me and she understands me. And it's like, I'm so grateful that I went through this kind of like bull- online bullying thing and this like attack or whatever, because it got me out of a situation I needed to get out of. And it right showed time, me, yeah. <clears throat> and it showed me that like, that wasn't the right match for me. And I want the best for her, you know, even though she hates me and wants the worst for me, I'm like, I want the best for you because I, I don't believe in trying to hurt someone like, and publicly shame someone or whatever. I like, right. I believe in love. And even if she made mistakes or I made mistakes, like I want us both to thrive. Sure. And I think that's only, you know, I want to have a clean conscience at the end of the every day with my own self, my own heart. Right. And knowing that like I did my best, you know, well, so it's the old thing. It's like, that that uh, forgiveness is really something you do for, for yourself. yourself. Yeah, it's not for but that. Again, Martha Stewart tossing a salad. Yeah, yeah. You really forgive for yourself, but it's fucking true. It's true. You're stuck with you all the time, and if and- you're angry about someone else, if I'm angry about the person who raped me when I was five, like I was for 25 years, I was the prisoner, not right. that man. Right. It wasn't until I forgave him mm. to myself that I became free. Mm. What was that like? Therapy or? I mean. <clears throat> It actually happened in any, I went to an emotional intelligence workshop here in LA called Mastery and Transformational Training. It was like a five-day experiential, it's kind of like Landmark, but a different training. I don't know if you've heard of Landmark. Uh, And um, it's all about forgiving yourself from your past, forgiving your parents, forgiving your boy exes, you know, all mm -hmm. these things, and forgiving yourself. And then after you kind of shed the ego of the old, it's declaring a new vision for your life. Like, what do you want moving forward? Mm. But in order to have the life you want moving forward, the, the relationship, the career, the health, you've got to address everything from your past. Clean up the house, company's <clears throat> coming. So it was like we would do exercises and games and one-on-one you know, experiences where you'd like eye gaze and like really? act like this is your brother, your father. What do you need to say to them? Like, what do you need to feel? It was like, you know, just like like different role, stuff. Role playing. Role playing. I did that with my therapist. Stuff. It was really weird how effective it was. Weird. And but also, you're also like liberating at the same I, time. I would do, I forget how many times, it doesn't really matter, but you'd write out, I forgive you. All the stuff. Yeah. Name. And you do it over and over and over. Write and letters pages to yourself. Pages write, pages. write a letter to your parents. Write a letter and then like burn it, all this stuff. Yeah. So we were doing all this weird stuff. Right. But very effective. And. Right. It's so funny. I, I hear you because I would have said weird stuff too. It's like all of this is weird. Exactly. We woke up and we're like, I had a dream weird. about my dad. And you're like, that's normal. Yeah. I wrote a letter to my dad and I burned it. You're fucking woo woo, dude. <laughs> it's what our subconscious is doing for us on our behalf. Exactly. Every night is role playing, fantasizing, exactly. doing all these things that we need. You can exactly. do it in your waking life. And so there was a moment in this workshop, five days, where there was a trainer, there was like a facilitator facilitating like a group of 50 of us or something. And at one point we had gone through all this stuff. Like people are screaming of like imaginary people in their lives, you know, their past are like mm. screaming, like I fucking hate you, but like getting it out of her. Yeah. And, um, halfway through this five day experience, 
the guy was like, okay, we've addressed everything from your past. We've gone through these exercises and all the people and this. And if there's anything you haven't addressed yet from your past, now's the time to share it because we're moving forward on what you want to create. Right. But you've got to address no everything. stragglers. Yeah. And I remember like sitting there, like the room was quiet when he said this. And I was like, I talked about like my parents and like what I was frustrated with. I addressed them going through the divorce. I talked about being bullied, being picked on, being feeling like stupid my whole life, like my brother in prison, like all this stuff. And I was like, what about that time where I was raped and sexually abused by a man I didn't know? Like, why have I never shared this in my life? Mm. And I just like something hit me where I was like, if I don't say this now, I'm 30 at the time. I was like, if I don't say this now, I'll probably never say this. Right. And I was just like in that discovery mode where I was like, I'm willing to go wherever it need to to improve Isn't it this funny? incredible you were already Hulk. there for all those days yeah you know what i mean it just speaks to how difficult it is very difficult. from this side of the fence i'm just like that's why you would go very day difficult. one i didn't Hello. know that's, i didn't know i was going to talk about this ever. right i wasn't like not. i wasn't yeah. like i need to let go of this experience i right. just blocked it i wonder if subconsciously you're signing up for it maybe, you know, maybe. well i was i was doing a lot of i was getting in more and more fights i was reactive to people like I just, my friends were like, what's wrong with you? Mm. You know, why are you so reactive? And I was like, fuck you. I'm successful. You know, <laughs> I'm like, I'm making more money than you. I'm doing this. I'm getting accomplishments. Like you don't know me. Yeah. I was so defensive. I just served you vodka from a skull. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and so I, my, my best friend was like, I don't want to hang out with you anymore. It got that bad when my best friend was like, I don't want to, I can't believe I don't want to hang out with you. That to you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Little Wayne. Come on. And I was like, wow, this is a wake-up call. Like, I'm reactive in my life too much when my best friend doesn't want to hang out with me anymore. Wow. So I was like, okay, I'm willing to go and, like, try whatever. And even though my ego is so big, I was like, I teach all this shit. You know, I run the School of Greatness. I'm teaching all this stuff. I know all these things. Mm. I've accomplished so much. My ego was very big at the time and in the way. And then I just said I need to kill my ego. And I went to, like, everything and tried it. And this... And in this moment, he was like, okay, you need to tell uh, that was your moment or hold your peace. We're moving forward. And something in me was just like, if I don't get up and share this in front of this group, I'll probably never share. And it was just like, I just stood up and walked to the front of the room. I didn't even like raise my hand. I was just, I stood up, walked to the front of the room. The room was silent. I remember it was like, everyone was facing in like a half oval shape and I was standing in front of the room and I couldn't look anyone in the eyes. I like looked down at the carpet, kind of looked like this carpet. I'm looking down at the carpet the whole time, and I just start talking very calmly. And I was just like, here, when I was five years old, I was at a babysitter's house, and I walked through everything that I remembered for the mm. first time mm. and said it out loud. Detailed. Detailed for the first time to a group of 50 pretty much strangers that I just met two, two days before. Mm. And I remember like finishing it. I still couldn't look anyone in the eyes. <clears throat> I was so ashamed of what I was saying. So guilty, insecure. I was like, no one will ever love me if they knew this about me. No one will ever accept me. You said that. In, in my mind, uh -huh. in myself. Oh, I'm see. like, if, if people actually knew this about me, they would never love me ever. And I'll be alone for the rest of my life. And they'll make fun of me. My business will be over. Everything I've ever done will be over. Mm. And I say it. And it's like I walk back to my seat. And right when I sat down, it was like I erupted of tears. Mm. I'm bawling i'm like a wolf howling i'm like just i'm like shaking i'm convulsing and and i couldn't control it i just couldn't control like the tears the crying the shame the guilt everything thankfully there was like two women on either side of me sitting in their chairs 
the whole room is crying. They're crying. They're holding me. And I'm like shaking in their arms. And then I'm just like, I run out of the room. I sprint out of the room. It's in like a hotel conference room thing. I sprint out. I go outside. I'm like, I need some fresh air. I can't go back in this room. I made it a huge embarrassment of myself. Mm. And a few minutes passes. I've got my... I'm like leaning against the wall with like my head against my uh, arm, just like crying into this wall, trying to catch my breath, feeling so ashamed. And I feel a tap on my shoulder on my back. And there's a man from the room who came out who's like just starts hugging me. And he's in tears. And he's like, when I was nine, this happened to me. Mm-hmm. And I've never told anyone. Oh, this wow. was like a 45, 50-year-old man. He was like, my whole life I've been living with this. And I've never had the courage that you've had. Thank you. I trust you more than ever. I'll follow you anywhere. You're my hero. Oh. And it was like, I'm getting chills with thinking about it because it was just like. It's like the opposite of what you it was thought. It's like, what? I thought everyone would disown me. I thought everyone would make fun of me. I think I'm this weak man. Um, and no one would like me. And the guy said he would follow me anywhere and that he trusts me and that I was his hero. Mm. And then it becomes very emotional. You know, it's probably like a scene from a movie where like all the men came out and started hugging me one by one mm-hmm. and telling me their stories of just their shame. And probably 15, 20% of the, the men had some type of sexual abuse story that they opened up to me about. Wow. And the other men were just like, you know, I'm proud of you. Like I'm here for you. You know, if they didn't have that experience. And it was just like this beautiful, loving, healing moment for me. That was like the start of a healing process. It wasn't like, oh, I'm cured and I'm fine. It took years for me to heal consistently to the point where I can now talk about it without being scared and shaking. For the first six months, it was like every time I told someone, it was like, I'm going to tell you something. You know, it was like a catching my breath moment of trauma in my body until I realized, wow, okay, I'm not alone every time I talk about this. Mm. People aren't shaming me. They're not outcasting me. They actually love me more. Mm. And relate. Yeah, and a lot of people could relate. And when I started to open up about my vulnerability to my family, to my friends, to my, you know my audience, it was like they started to open up about things I never knew about them. Mm-hmm. And they started to shift. And they started to love and trust. And I was just like, wow. When we all shed our egos and reveal ourselves and accept ourselves for everything we've been through, all the shame, all the guilt, all the insecurity, the things we've done right, wrong, whatever it may be, it's like then we can just be. And yeah. other people can be with us. Right. And we're not posturing or masking. Mask off. Yeah. That's it, man. And I, and I was just like, wow, my whole life I've been wearing masks yeah. to try to get people to like me and laugh at me or right. pick me on their team or whatever it is or right. date me. Right. And I was just like, why am I always suffering and angry inside? Mm. I was like, I've been wearing masks to try to prove people wrong as opposed to being myself and lifting others up. Mm. And that's when everything started to shift six years ago when I started to open up about this. And it's been a beautiful journey. And again, I'm still an imperfect human being that makes mistakes and right. has challenges, but it's like, I feel at peace with who I am. When does the forgiveness come in, though? That seems like a big step. So I started to forgive. Um, I realized, like, okay, I need to forgive this person, even though I never saw this person again, and I've never, I haven't seen him since. I don't even know where he is, and to me, it's irrelevant if I see this person. 
But I was just like in myself, I said, I need to forgive this person. I need to step in his shoes, not saying it's okay what he did. It's fucked up. But I need to step into a place of compassion and realize like, okay, this person was going through whatever he was going through. And it's not saying what he did is okay or what anyone does to a child like this is okay because it's horrible. But it's saying if I want to be free, I need to forgive this. And if I want to tell. So you tried to imagine it from his side? I did as best I could to be compassionate. And I think that's the only way that I could really forgive Mm. is to come from a place of compassion and love. Mm. And I imagine it was just crazy. I imagine myself seeing him now and like giving him a hug and saying, I forgive you Mm. and telling myself a story of all the good that has come from this situation. Like, okay, I'd wish this on no one and I wish it didn't happen to me, but it did. I can't change it. What's the good that has happened from this? There's been a lot of pain, but let me look at the good. Mm. I probably wouldn't be here. I probably wouldn't this wouldn't happen. You know, these good things wouldn't have happened. Well, that guy. Yeah. The guy that hugged you first. Exactly. Right. And I wouldn't have the opportunity to there's not many like tall, jock looking white, straight dudes who open up about sexual abuse. Right. And over the last five years, I mean I wrote a book about this, I shared it on my podcast. It's the number one most downloaded thing on my show out of eight hundred five episodes. Mm. So it's like I've helped so many men start the healing process because well, it's powerful. I open up because the story is that you're supposed to withhold that stuff, and it's shameful. And yeah, right. and strength is to. I mean, I, my dad coming back at us, but I say to my dad all the time, I'm like, Dad, I, I think weakness, showing weakness, is strength. I've said that to him. Vulnerability is strength. <laughs> it's powerful. And he goes. What's the biggest achievement you've ever had? And I'm like, all right, Dad. So you're not on TV anymore? <laughs> <laughs> what's, the, what's the plan to get back yeah, on top? Right. Yeah. I was like, that's why I, was, I got emotional realizing after the fact that I wrote a book. Obviously, my stuff is just a divorce and some spiritual uh, Christian shame, but it's a book of failures. You know what I mean? And then I made a TV show about. called Crashing about failing. Uh, that helps people connect with you more and that but, probably and, impacted more people through course. that than the best bit on success. Right. You know, it's like, I mean, uh, I used to joke that the opposite of our show was entourage. I liked entourage. <laughs> I love I mean, entourage. Not too many people were going up and being like this show. I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe it inspired them or something. I it, actually, no joke. It did inspire me. I was like, I can do that. I can get an agent or whatever it was. Right, right. But like, I want to, when you I see drama, like always way. failing or whatever. Was it drama? Yeah, it was, was drama. Yeah. And he's like, always never gets the part you yeah know, we wanted like, to make a show about johnny drama basically yeah. <laughs> just realized my show you is about drama. johnny drama <laughs> that's so funny always second best <laughs> just almost close to being good I enough no <laughs> you are good enough johnny drama yeah, that exactly. is the message um what did i i'm just looking at what i had here in case i forgot something you know, I, I was like, maybe I should put the word yes over my elliptical because I hate doing it so much. And maybe it's just making the bed. Mm. Is that what you do? I think you got to gamify everything for yourself. Gamify? Yeah. If yes is the thing that gamify, I, I think. Make it an exercise. Cause you, something in your, someone in your position, you can't just put up a sign that says yes and say, I need to do this every day. You've got to have something uh, deeper, more meaningful for you to want to be consistent, whether it's three days a week or five days a week doing some type of movement or activity or physical work, like workout. Yeah. yeah. And I think you need accountability. You need someone else who's going to like show up and be like, we're doing this together. 
uh-huh. five days a week, and we're going to create a 90-day challenge together where we're going to have something to do at the end yeah. where we're going to try to improve. you got to gamify a lot more than just putting a sign of yes yeah. in front of it. This reminds you to be positive because it's not going to be fun. <laughs> I go to you know this workout that's 60 minutes and freaking want to throw up every time I do it. It's not fun, but I think about the the outcome, the vision of like how am I going to feel in 30 days Knowing I stayed committed to something that I wanted to do that's challenging for 30 days. Yeah. I'm going to feel like a champion. I'm going to feel like I have so much more confidence. I'm going to feel like I was true to my word. Right. You're going to unpack it's gonna be why, a lot of, the yeah. why of doing exactly. something. Exactly. Yeah, so I'm I, thinking about like, how old's your daughter? I don't know. You know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. She's eight months. Eight months. So I'm. I'm, I'm always looking for the bed. People ask that so yeah, much. I'm yeah. like, what is the bed? Maybe it's I don't know. Yeah. Uh, keep going. So I think it, I, I want to think about like, and I see so many people who like doing it for her. You mean? Yeah, yeah. Doing it for her. I mean, doing it for yourself, but also like, if you need something bigger, do it yeah. for her. Yeah. Do it for your your wife. Do it for yeah. like something bigger. Yeah. I'm thinking of like my 90 year old self. I have a lot of friends who are 50s, 60s, who are mentors of mine that I always ask questions about business, marriage, relationships, everything. I'm just constantly curious. And they always say, like, these are your best years, like 35 to 45, 50, like your healthiest, best years. It becomes harder to stay healthier after 45 and 50. Mm-hmm. You just, it's just harder. Mm-hmm. And I want to thank myself when I'm 80 by saying you did the hard things when you, you were healthy. Yeah. You did this to keep it to help yourself at 80, as right. opposed to now I'm on 17 medications and everyone has to take care of me or whatever. It's like right. what's the hard thing now that I'm going to thank myself later for? Yeah, and not regret when I'm 80. I wish I would have taken care of my health, I stretched right. and eaten better, and right. So I just try to think about that, but gamify. I try to gamify, and I've got an accountability partner that I go to the workout with, that we sign up for the same class, or I have a trainer if I'm doing something else, and I don't do it alone. Doing it alone is impossible. Mm. I don't don't care how disciplined you are. Doing everything alone is very hard. Yeah. So I would hire, pay for a trainer, or have a friend that you're like money's tight. Okay, I'm just kidding. Well, now that (laughs) you're not on TV anymore. That was the angle I was going for, but it just sounded like a rich guy joke. But it's, I mean, you can find another friend who's going through the same challenge and say, let's do something for 30 days together. Yeah. You know, we have anything for 30 minutes. In a heartbeat, yeah, I know. And just commit to it. But get out of your environment of comfort here. Like, you're not going to do it here. This is not inspiring. You know, this is like a place (laughs) It's a place where you work and you do sauna. It's like, yeah. you need to say, all right, we're going to go to the park you know, 30 minutes a day. We're going to go right. to this class and pay 25 bucks a class, whatever. To get you committed to it. Committed. And yeah. investing in it will... It's funny. We were talking about it earlier where I was like, when I had a talk show, I went to yoga every day. Because you were like, had to. And when I, I did. And when I was in some difficult pose, I would go... I have a talk show. Right. So I was doing that Lewis House School of Greatness yeah, stuff. like that. But then I lost the story of like why I needed, why to, I needed to be here. Especially as a comedian, it's like I'm allowed to be soft. I'm allowed to be lazy. Yeah, the fatter I am, the funner I am. Exactly. Yeah. So Zach Galifianakis is what? like fat or whatever. Well, know he lost a bunch of weight. Oh, good for him. And a lot of his humor too. Really? I'll say that. Really? Not as funny. Because he's not as fat? I'm just kidding. Oh, I'm 100% funny, kidding. Right? He's great. I'd and love it, to be that guy. Oh, he's he's the best. He's. I wonder if I could actually get a sentence that's not a bit though. Yeah, no, he'll get he'll open up. He did oh, this so. podcast a while ago. Oh, did he? What was he, that like? He got real. Yeah, he got real. 
He got real. Did they bring a couple ferns with him or no? There were two ferns. Oh, God. But he didn't put us between them as if to say, not yet, Peter. Wow. He has huge people on that show. He had Obama and freaking Bieber. At a certain point, you're just like, oh, never then. When do you feel like uh, someone transcends their space? Like, do you feel like Zach like transcended yeah, comedy and he was like, "Yeah, he's like a like an icon kind of thing." When, when is Rolling that, Stone? When is that moment? That's one of those moments for someone like that. You know, I'm just using him as an example. Yeah. When, when was he like? Okay, he's not just like this touring comedian that does the rounds like everyone. He's. I mean, I think it was now, elevating the Hangover. Not that the Hangover wasn't good on its own, but I mean. They're those people that just make a part so much better than it ever should have been by rights. That's, he made the hangover the hangover. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I so think because it, of that movie and that series, you think that's when he transcended. Yeah. And then what he did with it, I think, is very interesting. Because, you know, I'm surrounded by people. I'm always kind of like, we sat on the show with Topher, Topher Grace. Today, yeah. Like, just because you can too, yeah. do something doesn't mean you should do something. Yeah. And I see a lot of people doing things because it came to them. Like, there's this offer to do the thing. And Zach was never one of those guys. I, I think he did Hangover and he did like a very broad, you know, mass audience picture. And then that picture. And then after that, he he's stopped. Done baskets. He's done, you know what I mean? He's, he's like, I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. Because he could have done a lot more big things probably. Yeah, absolutely. But he I, said no to him. Or what? I, I think so. I think he was deliberate about what he did. Wow. And and there's a lot of people that I know that had vision that exceeded just like what what was offered to them. Wow, I'm sure he, I, I'm sure he's still offered a billion Tons. things that he's just like no. So yeah, I'm just gonna do between two ferns once every six months when that's I want it, that's to. That's what I mean. Because it's not like a consistent thing. It's like hey, whenever I totally. feel like it. But that to use that term again, he's archi- He's do he's designing the life I think that he wants. Yeah. And whenever beautiful. I talk to him, he's always like, you know, him and his wife. I don't I don't know where they move, but they move somewhere. Rural and beautiful, and like he was Calabasas telling me that or something. His or like, kids, I don't even, I, I because I don't know how personally is. I don't want to say, but he oh, was right. saying where it was. Not in L.A. City. No, yeah. He says that his kids leave their bikes on the lawn, sort it's of beautiful. place. And I was like, Jesus, man, you're supposed to be in Malibu. Oh, you know yeah, I mean? you're supposed to bathe in a, a real waterfall with a, a <laughs> falcon that licks your asshole. <laughs> Get over here, Assy. Who? It's what named Assy? What comedian are you inspired by the most? I don't know if I asked you this on our episode, mm. but who's the who's like your friend or someone you're friendly with? Yeah, that you're like, gosh, I really admire and respect how they do their well, career depend- and their life. Yeah. Well, Mulaney is the best of the best at doing stand up. John Mulaney. Oh, yeah. I think he's when I do shows with Mulaney, I'm like, oh, like I'm like, that's what it would look like if I to was be a, a good real. comedian. He's just like. Um, who do they say? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ted Williams. There were there were people that like swung the bat just perfectly. Wow. Like yeah, the, the science of hitting. Yeah. Like I'm like Mulaney's like Ted Williams. I don't know anything about baseball, but I know my right, dad right. said Ted Williams was like the technical best. And that's how I feel about Mulaney. But when it comes to balance, I actually think Zach would be at the top of the list. Wow. And Sarah, Sarah Silverman. She she's just kind of figured out her place and you how know, to it's do funny. It. I almost I just started. I got on this thing called Charity Buzz. Have you seen this before? Mm-mm. It's like a place where you can like bid on like meeting people or auction items or whatever. It's like an mm-hmm. online charity thing. And she was on there to like have like a lunch with her. And I bid. I was like, I actually want to interview her, so I'm going to bid on this. It was like <laughs> two grand or something. Or mm-hmm. and then I lost the bid because my app broke down. But that's funny. You <laughs> mentioned her because I think she's pretty funny. 
Oh, she's great. She's very and she's also very grounded and balanced. Yeah. And, um, I think it's, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to say woke, but I love saying it. Woke. She's very woke. That's cool. So those are your favorites. Yeah. But I mean, honestly, like, I think I'm trying to go into a, an area that doesn't exist. Like what? Meaning like forging some new paths for myself because when it comes to like trying to find spiritual balance, I don't see a comedian in the space that's, having spiritual balance. That's exactly going for that overtly. That's why you hang out with Rob Bell and do other that's stuff. That's right. Yeah. Rob is Rob is absolutely yeah. life goals, the relationship he has with his family, amazing, right? the relationship he has with his work, the relationship he has with himself. Absolutely. It's just joy. Yeah, absolutely. And radiating he, childlike joy. He's the guy. I I love my manager, but I call Rob when I get offered something and I'm like, <sighs> I don't know about this and he's like, I don't know. Like he's not judging it. He's just like I don't know if that's what you... The right thing for you. Yeah. When I think of you, I don't think of that for you. God, and you're like, you're right. And he's always right. I'm not and, and Berbiglia is that way too. Mike Berbiglia, I forgot. Berbiglia is an absolute life. His, his, his life is a work of art in that way. Like he's deliberate about what he does. He sees what he wants to do. And he thinks about why he wants to do yeah, it. So he was the first guy that was like... I'm going to go on NPR. Like I'm going to, I'm going to do a one man show. I'm going to direct movies and they're not about making money. They might make money. They might not. I don't know. But like he wants to make the, he wants to tell this story. He's like, beautiful. I know Woody Allen is also, you know, a bad person, but he's also, you know, I think Mike has seen that model of like, yeah, he did stand up, but then he started making his own movies. And I think Burbiglia has got that going on too. I like that. So there are a lot of them now that I think about it. But but I'm sort of like I do look to Rob and some of those others. Yeah, he's like a spiritual mentor for both of us. Is he? He's yeah, like, I forgot that he's we like have my that spiritual color. compass. Yeah, he's amazing. I do the same thing whenever I'm like a dark place. I'm like, Rob, help me. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> it's a privilege to to have a direct line to him. But I mean, it, it is it. You know, that when it came to writing a spiritual book, it goes back to the idea like nobody was going to ask me to do it. No, you know, because I mean? you felt like you needed to, you do, needed you to, do, it. to do it, and that's what Rob does. <clears throat> that's what I wrote a book about masculine vulnerability. It wasn't the smart move. Right. It wasn't like the business decision. It right. was like I felt like a bigger mission. Right. to do this to help you, your serve business the mission. Ten thousand men who have been right that were will, willing to read this who have been sexually abused. Right. Or you could have written a book trapped. called like the real iron man exactly and then been like how to become an impenetrable fortress bulletproof of unstoppable invulnerability exactly and then would be having this conversation on your second yacht (laughs) (laughs) called the ss nothing bad ever happened to me exactly don't ask about it yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's a long name for a bow bro it's a long name um we're almost out of time but where are we Oh shit! Way well, over. What it, we usually talk about the meaning of life. What? It, what are your What are your feelings on that? Consciousness, God. <sighs> we can also skip it. <laughs> I have the to meaning say, of life, dude. Since I, dude, since I wrote my book, the God portion, I've just been like, I feel so exhausted about it because I've been talking about it so much. Mm-hmm. So we don't have to go deep. Mm-hmm. Were you raised religious? Yeah, a religion called Christian Science. Oh, right. Have you heard about Christian That's Science? one of the reasons I wanted to have you on. Yeah, Christian Science. Not Scientology, which I people get confused with sometimes. But but you guys get the rap for like... Not taking medicine. You don't take medicine. Yeah, like I never had shots when I was a kid, so I always had like the, you know, the, the release that I didn't have to take shots and whatever. Right. And then I got... 
yeah, chicken pox or something when I was a kid and got a bad rep for that because I didn't take medicine for that and we just like prayed about it, right? Right. The, the Did chi- we talk about that we briefly about this though? Because, where you like, were like Joe Dispenza is like saying all yes. these things, and I'm like, this now was my Joe whole Dis- life. Joe Dispenza is it Joe or Joel? Joe Dispenza. Joe. Yeah, and lots of people are talking about Joe Dispenza healed himself by visualization of a back injury. Yeah, a lot of things. He got like a, a car or bicycle injury or something. Yeah, Val got neck. so into him. He's and there's all these like deep spiritual things that he basically secularized. Yeah, I'm not quantum saying, but, physics and everything else. And I'm like, this is everything I learned as a child. But, yeah. But everyone said we were crazy. Picture you know? your wound. Picture what you want to happen well, to it. I mean, my dad would always tell me, my dad was an extreme, I would say he was an extremist Christian scientist, which meant anytime there was something physically wrong, he just was like, no, you're fine. Where he would say, you're a spiritual idea and no spiritual idea can ever be physically harmed in the kingdom of heaven. Wow. So he would just repeat this over to me. It was just like... You know, ingraining this into my psyche. That you have was a like, nail in your head. Exactly. It was uh, just like, Dad. <laughs> but I was like, why is my arm broken? And yeah. I feel pain and I feel that. You know, so right. it was always confusing and contradictory where I felt pain, but he was like, you're just an idea. He was telling you not to identify with the story. Yeah. He was like, right. you're an idea and there's no way that you can be physically harmed. But this is the idea, you know, I forget where I heard this. this is some motivational speaker was somebody got locked in a freezer and they froze to death. Wow. And in the morning, they found out that it was only like, 60 degrees in there but they but they the told idea, themselves the, the story placebo or whatever yeah, yeah they're like, they were hyperventilating exactly and they died yeah i believe it yeah i believe so it. there is the power and so, and so i i was healing myself placebo. all the time really and i was witnessing healings all the time from because i also went to a christian science boarding school i like begged my parents to send me to this that's school the 13 yeah mm-hmm. when i was 13 and so it was a practice of it was like joe dispenza every day that i was practicing wow as a kid everybody's working on their acne exactly right yeah <laughs> and it was um so for me it was always interesting because no one really understood it and they always kind of made fun of me mm. so it was like kind of hide it you know i wouldn't tell people yeah but i was also like you'd go i'm christian yeah so exactly just- i'm christian but it's like you, we had read the Bible, and then there was another book called The Science and Health with Key to the Scriptures, which was teaching you about the Bible. And the, the religion was actually founded by a woman named Mary Baker Eddy, who was very sick, who healed herself, and yeah. like studied the Bible religiously to help understand, like, why am I sick, and how do I heal myself, and started to like go down this journey of healing. And then it spread over the world and millions of people became Christian scientists because of these healings they started to discover back in the 1800s. And so it's kind of a dying religion now because it's like, you know, an hour long, you sit there, you listen to like two people read the Bible and one other book. And it's like, you sing three hymns and it's like kind of slow and boring. It's very like meditative. And Mm. now people want like the band and the, this and the, that it's like something that's more interesting, but the practice gave me such a foundation of like mind training inner belief inner belief in and mind training yeah. where i was like no i'm actually i can heal myself in any moment you know again oprah coming up again yeah oprah it was something that i would do on set was when i was tired i would say i'm overflowing with energy that's it and it's crazy how that you would work. Switch your state. We're of back energy. to yes. That's it. That's it. You wake up. And you so I yes. would practice this stuff as a child all the time. My dad would just like ingrain this stuff in me, and sometimes it felt like it was crazy. But I think you become what you believe. You mm. believe something strong enough, and then you practice it over and over, and you show yourself results from what you're practicing. It's like you're building belief more yeah. and more. Wow. And so I, I, 
it's fun for me to interview all these people now who are talking about spirituality and things like this because coming back like, in vogue because I kind of left it. You, you made know, fun I, of me for this. Yeah, right. And then now I'm like, this is mainstream. You wow. know, these types of principles are becoming more mainstream. And I'm like, yeah, I just I heard about these things all the time as a kid. Yeah, except for me, our gardener is here. Oh, it's all good. And so, um, is that going to show up it's, on this? And so, yeah, so for me, it's like it's weird because I grew up believing in God. And then I actually am not sure what the definition of God is to me anymore. Like, because I'm sure probably like you, you interview these people, you're always discovering new th- ideas, and you're like, what is this? Is this even, are we even real? Is this just an idea? Yeah. It's just a dream? And like, what's the difference? Yeah. So I'm like, this is the dream that we've agreed is real. Exactly. This yeah. is the hallucination that we've agreed is real. So I, I believe that there is a uh, something that created everything. This idea, this world, this dream, whatever we're in, this physical body. Um, and it's I kind of take the Rob Bell approach where it's like, did Jesus live? Yes, I believe he was alive. Is like all the things he did 100% true? I don't know. They might just be stories. And I take the inspired word of all these things and just see how can I apply this to my life to have a better life? Like, how can I take the lesson? Right now. Yeah, to have a good life right now and yeah. just live good. Yeah. Do I need to know the answer to everything? Like, is God looking down and moving things around? Like, I, do I need to know that? I don't know. But can I take the lessons to apply it to living a better life now? Yes. And so yeah. that's what I try to do. I take the lessons from all religions, from all, you know, stories of the past and try to apply practices to help me live a better life and achieve my dreams and that's and try to find peace to not know yeah that's that's be a big okay one. with not knowing of like what's true and what's what is yeah true. yeah that's great the more i read it I've, I've been reading some thomas merton and he's talking about like waking up to your true self or your soul or whatever he's like doesn't come from manipulating it he's like your true self is nothing but free it's freedom itself so you can't manipulate freedom yeah. To come over here, yeah, it's free. Yeah. There's no foothold. There's no nothing you can hook into it to yank it into your life. So it almost comes through a surrender. It comes through grace, and it comes from indifference. He uses the word indifference. Wow, I thought that was badass. We're over here trying to will it to happen, and Richie Rohr says uh, patience is like the biggest thing you can have. Patience and humility are the two things you can have. So when you say, I don't know, I surrender, I'm trying my best, I'm listening, it sounds good to me. Yeah, that's it. Let's get the fuck out of here. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's play handball. Let's do it. I'm just kidding. People can listen to the Lewis Howes School of Greatness. That's it. School Anything of Greatness else? podcast. Yeah, just at Lewis Howes. Say hi to me on Instagram or wherever. Yeah. Come say hi. I'm happy for you, that's man. It, man. Would you say keep it crispy? It's how we end. Keep it crispy. Yeah, buddy. Love you, man. Appreciate it. Love you, too. This is Thanks powerful. Thanks for being here. I love fun. It. You were great. So Thank you.